Jordan Bearjohn able to hang on to this one, and now we have a scrap. Berube walked around with one of the Kings. I'm not sure if it's Miller or Halkidis. Well, I'm not sure that it's either. I think it could be Rick Hayward. We'll have to see. I, I watched for Miller. Miller is standing there watching. You're right. Yep. It's the kid. Rick Hayward. But did you see how quickly three L.A. Kings converged on Berube to move him out of the way? Nystrom, Nystrom's really getting some good right hands in. Gillies is down with Sandstrom. Somebody better help Sandstrom. Everyone must be held accountable for their actions. You cannot see your star carried out in a stretcher and do nothing about it. Oh my, did Mick plant one on C-Card, wow. You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. But just a minute, Al Arbor has won mm -hmm. four Stanley Cups, so don't start telling Al Arbor what to do, you and John Davison. This is Coliseum Chronicles The Penalty Box, your source for Islanders Enforcer Talk. I'm your host, Joe Lazito. Welcome to episode 66, actual episode 85. This is part one of my chat with Rick Hayward. We'll talk about Rick in a few minutes. Uh, first and foremost, whatever platform you're listening to this on, if you wouldn't mind subscribing, liking, rating, reviewing, all that good stuff. Uh, it helps bring a uh, little higher prominence um, to the show. I forget what I'm really trying to say here, but it, it gives um, greater visibility. That's what I'm trying to say. It gives greater visibility to the show, all that stuff. So if you don't mind uh, doing all or one or any of those things, I would greatly appreciate it. On social media, the show's Twitter account is at Kali Sinbin Pod. On Facebook, facebook.com slash Coliseum Chronicles Podcast. And on Instagram, Coliseum underscore Chronicles underscore Podcast. And if you are so interested in my personal Twitter, that is at Joe underscore Lozito. So if you scroll down past the episode description of this very episode that you're listening to, you will see two links. And those links are the links to the Coliseum Chronicles, the Penalty Box Merchandise Store. One link is for the original logo merchandise. The other link is for the alternate logo merchandise. Now, as you know, if you're a regular listener, every week I give a listener-exclusive discount. This week's discount is Hayward20, H-A-W, no, see, I can't even spell, and I'm reading this, H-A-Y-W-A-R-D-2-0, Hayward20, and that coupon code that listener exclusive discount is good through October 11th, 2021. Everything in your cart using code Hayward20 will be 20% off 
using that discount. Now, the big thing about that, well, about the merchandise that I love so much is the logo. And the logo was done by local Long Island artist Joe Marisich. Joe is available for hire. You can reach Joe on Twitter at GraphicsJoker or at LoudEgg.com. Let Joe know that you heard about him on the Coliseum Chronicles, the Penalty Box podcast. A few podcasts I would like to let you know about that if you're a regular listener, you already know. But in case you're new, the Fourth Line Voice podcast with my buddy Darren up in Saskatoon. Darren is part of the Hockey Podcast Network, two episodes a week. His Wednesday episodes are player interviews, and his Sunday episodes are the Sunday shit shows. And those are the episodes where Darren stares out his window and yells at the clouds, and I'm for that every day of the week. I love his Sunday episodes, which today is Sunday. It's actually halftime of the Bills game that I'm recording this intro. And um, I started listening to his episode, The Sunday Shit Show. That is his latest episode. And uh, I know that um, this Wednesday he is going to, he's scheduled to have a guest on. And uh, it's not my story to tell, so I'll, I'll let you uh, wait and see. But, uh, but it's a good guest, former NHLer. And um, I know it's going to be a good episode. Darren, aside from his full-length player interviews, he does uh, a sub-series called Five Toughest Opponents. And I believe the last one he did was with Jeff Odgers. And uh, that was a great one. Odgers was a great uh, great guest. And uh, he's also done a full-length episode with Jeff. Darren's uh, back catalog is second to none. He's got a lot of great episodes for you to go check out. So uh, I would say first and foremost, check out his Sunday Shit Show episode today, then delve back into the past and see all the good stuff that he has on there. Now, he also runs the Fourth Line Voice YouTube channel. For whatever reason, YouTube lately has been ridding itself of hockey fight content. I don't know why. Someone was probably offended. Who the hell knows? But uh, Darren's channel is still up there. Fourth Line Voice channel on YouTube. Over 2,500 fights on there. All teams, all leagues, hundreds and hundreds of players. And he makes it very easy. He has a, a great search option there. So definitely check it out. And um, as I always say, if you've watched a hockey fight on YouTube, chances are it was on the Fourth Line Voice YouTube channel. Another podcast I'd like to tell you about is Five for Fighting podcast with Alec Olin Salen. The um, fourth line voice dubbed part-time Oli. I, I swear to God, I love that nickname. That's going to make me laugh every time I hear it. His latest episode was a Facebook Live episode with John Searson. Now, for people out there that are from my generation that uh, you know grew up with, uh, say, the 80s rock like Def Leppard, uh, if you've heard interviews with the members of Def Leppard, they have the the accent there from Sheffield. And I had to actually ask John Searson if where he's from is near Sheffield because he, he seems to have a very similar accent to the Def Leppard guys. Now, he laughed because he said, if you're English, you can tell the difference with all the different accents and they don't sound anything alike. But for someone like me, an American, uh, I think he could have been in the band. I was actually waiting for Joe Elliott to, to speak at some point during this interview. But... Um, John is a great interview. Um, there's a few of the uh, boys over there in England that uh, I know have helped out 
uh, myself and Darren and Alec over the years with uh, with some footage and uh, some stories and everything like that whenever we have a guest on that played over there. And uh, it was a fun episode to listen to, so I would definitely check it out. Similar to Darren, Alec's back catalog is excellent, and um, I would I would highly recommend you checking that out. Now, this episode that Alec did with John was uh, was a Facebook Live episode. What Alec has started doing, and it's probably been over a month now, um, on Friday nights he goes live on Facebook. Uh, he's done a few episodes with uh, with some fans. He's done a few episodes with some players, and it's pretty cool because it's interactive. He, he reads comments from people. Uh, I've yet to watch one live. Uh, I think he, he does them late. It's like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, and... I'm an old man, so I think I'm in bed by then, but uh, but I always catch up with them later in the week, and I think he released this episode on Thursday or Friday, so so I've listened to it already, and it was a good one. So um, where he goes live is the Enforcer Appreciation page, which he runs on Facebook, and uh, that is always interesting, and uh, a lot of Darren's material for his Sunday shit shows comes from this enforcer appreciation page so uh i would recommend you checking it out i would recommend you signing up for it well you don't really sign up you join it um and if you could weed out probably the five or six percent of absolute asshats that are members uh the other 95 percent uh you know real good guys got a lot of players on there and uh it's just like a fun gathering Darren equates it to the old hockey fight message boards, which I think is a is a tremendous analogy, uh, because uh, for those of you old enough back in the day when we had fried chickens, hockey fight site, it was a hockey fight mess- message board. And um, this is probably the closest thing to it. And um, like I said, you just got to you, you got to ignore the uh, the morons on there. But uh, it's a pretty, pretty good, uh, pretty good group there. So I would definitely recommend the Enforcer Appreciation page on Facebook. Finally, I'm going to talk about this podcast, but now that the exhibition season is well underway and he hasn't put out an episode, I don't know if he's coming back or not. And that's the Bucket Drop podcast with Bobby Longgrass. Uh, Bobby, when he does his show, uh, focuses on current things in hockey, mostly his team, Montreal, also Ottawa and Toronto. He talks about combat sports. He talks about uh, gambling, betting on that stuff. But uh, he hasn't done an episode in a while, and I thought he was coming back with the start of the season. So I don't know. I'll have to I'll have to message him and see what he's doing. I think what'll happen is even if he says he's not going to do it, I think after a certain point he'll get the itch to come back and put out an episode. But uh, but I will find out. So as I've been saying the last few weeks, uh, I am a uh, I collect game worn gear game used gear and uh right now the uh the top priority for me to track down is uh dean ewan's new york islanders home white 48 jersey that he wore uh in a few preseasons, few exhibition games uh the last known owner of the jersey was fairmore sports and uh but this was many many years ago uh, I purchased the road blue from them. I did not purchase the home white, and uh, I'm still kicking myself. Uh, Brad at Fairmore hasn't had that jersey in years, but I'm hoping that collectors listen to this, and uh, if anyone knows the whereabouts of that home white 48 Islanders jersey, please let me know. I would love to uh, to work something out for it. Something that crossed my social media path today 
uh, when I woke up this morning. And uh, it's a little, uh, you know, just more uh, white knighting, I guess, political correctness, whatever you want to call it. And this time it comes from the Western Hockey League and the Prince Albert Raiders. So if you're uh, if you're an older school guy like myself, uh, we're all familiar with the uh, the Prince Albert Raiders of the 80s. The um, Memorial Cup winning team had uh, Bomber on there and uh, Charlie Manson and, and Rod Dahlman. Later on, guys like Darren Kimball, uh, Sean Byron played for them. I mean, it's a historic franchise in the Western League. And you associate that franchise with their logo, the old logo, the, the Memorial Cup era logo. Well, apparently, Prince Albert was going to bring back that logo on a jersey and uh, for a third jersey this year. And I guess they unveiled it on Friday. And, uh, of course, it doesn't take long uh, for the vultures to start circling. And um, I'll, I'll just read the quote directly. On Friday night, the Prince Albert Raiders unveiled an alternate third jersey, which was inspired by a highly successful era in club history, said WHL Commissioner Ron Robison in the statement. We recognize the dated design is insensitive and offensive. After consultation with the Prince Albert Raiders, this uniform and brand will be discontinued effective immediately, Robison said. On behalf of the WHL and the Prince Albert Raiders, we regret this uniform design was approved and sincerely apologize for any harm it may have caused. <laughs> I mean, any harm, any harm it may have caused. It's insensitive and offensive, and they apologize for any harm it may have caused. Now, I know some harm that it has caused, but it wasn't the logo. It was the players that used to wear that logo. Uh, there was something back in the day, like I said, during that era, the era of you know Ken Baumgartner through Darren Kimball, Reed Simpson, those guys, uh, Rod Dahlman, called the Prince Albert Flu. And that was uh, something that they never apologized for, uh, but that those guys created a lot of harm to the opponents. But now we're apologizing for a logo that uh, is dated, insensitive, and offensive. I mean, what what are we doing here? I I don't even know what to say anymore. I just don't even know where, when this is going to end. Um, look, I'm sorry if you find that logo offensive. I honestly don't know what to say. Um, I, I, you know, anyone who knows me knows where I stand on this stuff. So, uh, that was something that just really, uh, made me shake my head early this morning. And, uh, again, it's just more clown world stuff and whatever. So if anyone listens in, uh, the Prince Albert area, I would love to get a t-shirt with that logo on it. I don't need a Jersey. I mean, I would love a, a game Jersey, a bomber game Jersey or a Rod Dahlman game Jersey, but, uh, I don't have probably the several thousands of dollars it would cost to purchase those if they were ever available. I would just love to have a t-shirt with that logo on it. So, uh, so if anyone's listening, uh, let me know. Cause I don't even know if, if Prince Albert Raiders, uh, if they're going to be able to sell anything with that on there now. So, uh, if they have inventory in their team store, who knows if they could even sell it. So I'll have to do some research, but, uh, but I definitely want a Prince Albert Raiders shirt with the classic Memorial Cup era logo on it because uh, I'm not offended. 
I'm not offended by much. I'm definitely not offended by a sports logo. So, uh, so I'll definitely have to research that. But if anyone listens that's in that area, I would love to grab a T-shirt with that logo on it. Uh, I'm happy to buy it. Uh, just let me know. One of the things that people talk about, uh, and, it, and it means a lot to me when they bring it up as far as my show goes, is the research that I put in doing these interviews. And it really hit home for me the other day. I was watching uh, A Football Life. Uh, the NFL Network has those shows, A Football Life. And the, and the subject of that episode was James Harrison. And part of the reason why I do so much research is, A, I enjoy doing it. I find it interesting. But more importantly, the guest on the show, and if you've listened to this show, you know the guests give me an insane amount of time. And I don't want to waste your time. If I ask you to come on the show and you're nice enough to appear on the show, I don't want you to hang up and go, this fucking guy doesn't know anything. I don't want it to be that way. I want it to be where, and a lot of players have said it, where I bring up things that they haven't thought about sometimes in decades. And that means a lot to me. It means it does. I enjoy doing the research I do. Well, James Harrison, pretty high profile player, right? For the Steelers. Everyone's heard of James Harrison. Everybody knows all about this guy. I mean, he was one of the key members of their defense. I think he's their all-time leader in sacks, which is for the Pittsburgh Steelers to be the all-time leader in sacks. That's a pretty big deal. So this is not a no-name player. And he's doing an interview with somebody on television. Now, keep in mind, you can Google James Harrison and you're going to get a thousand results. So to find out basic information on an NFL player of that caliber, pretty easy to do. It's, it's no more than a Google search and you'll find whatever you need. And the last few questions of the interview with this guy, the first question was, what are your memories from the combine? And he just, James Harrison looks him square in the face and goes, you don't know me, do you? And the guy says, what do you mean? He says, I didn't go to the combine. And then the guy's like, oh, okay. Um, what are your memories about being drafted? And Harrison looks at him and goes, I was never drafted. And it it really hit me then. It's like I, I realized that this guy, I don't know how long the interview was before that. But to me, it's like a slap in the face when you don't know basic stuff about your guest. And like I said, this wasn't um, – you know, whatever level pop Warner football questions he was asking him. This is legit stuff about an NFL star that, like I said, you can find out with a Google search. And now James Harrison is sitting there thinking this fucking guy is wasting my time. And I never want that to be the case on this show. And I was embarrassed for James Harrison when I was watching that, because honestly, if you're going to ask someone to give you their time, don't waste it. And to find out that James Harrison didn't go to the combine and to find out that James Harrison was never drafted, that should take you about 45 seconds on Google. And that was embarrassing. So, um, like I said, it really hit home for me because that is, I'm so grateful when someone says that they'll appear on the show. And like I said, the last thing I want is to waste their time. And this was just so cringy to watch it was it was embarrassing it ab absolutely embarrassing so that brings me to today's guest which is rick hayward um rick i uh w like i always say there's one good thing 
about social media. And for me, it's being able to connect or reconnect with players to, to ask them to appear on the show. And I sent Rick a message and uh, he responded right away. We had a, a couple of chats on the phone and then we recorded this uh, the other night. Uh, we were on the phone literally for five hours, five hours straight. And, uh, you know, that's what I'm talking about. I, I have, I have this guy on the phone for five hours and when he hangs up the phone, I don't want him to go, boy, what a waste of my time. But, uh, obviously with the phone call of that length, this is going to be a two-parter and, uh, Rick was uh, a great guest and there's a ton, a ton of laughs in this episode and he's got some really good stories so i'm not going to tell you about the episode and waste your time let's just get to it so this is part one of my chat with rick hayward and i hope you people enjoy it ladies and gentlemen uh i bring you another guest tonight from my list of the springfield indians slash capital district islander must have list my own personal list of guys i have to eventually get on the show and tonight i'm thrilled absolutely thrilled to bring you another one of the capital district islander ruffians and that man is rick hayward rick how's it going good joe Uh, thanks for having me man it's a pleasure it's a pleasure this is a long time coming and uh, i'm really looking forward to it so if you're ready to go i'm ready to go let's do it all right so First question is the question I ask everybody. Now, uh, you were born, uh, according to all the bios I read, you were born in Toledo, Ohio. Uh, so if I was able to go back in time and saw a young Rick Hayward uh, on the rinks uh, of uh, Toledo, Ohio, or playing street hockey, uh, who were you as a kid? Uh, well, Joe, I, I, I actually didn't start playing uh, hockey till I was like eight years old, um, mm-hmm. uh, which is relatively late for, uh, for kids, even back then. You know, I I, um, I lived out in the country. I lived in Michigan, but we I was born in Toledo, Ohio, which is right across the border from where I live in Michigan. And uh, there there was no rinks around us, so I, you know my thing was watching uh, with my dad was watching the uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs on on CBC, um, and um, and then going to the odd uh, I. IHL game down in Toledo, which used to be the Gold Diggers. Mm. Uh, so I would say, as a kid, um, Boreas Salming was my uh, was my, my the guy I wanted to be. Uh, you know, he was a fantastic Maple Leaf for years, and uh, we we watched him every Wednesday and Saturday night. So um, obviously, I don't have much information, but I have to ask you this question because one of my previous guests was. Uh, participated in this tournament but he was up in Canada and the way he described it he thought it was a bigger deal for the American kids coming up but you participated in the uh, famous Quebec City peewee tournament as a kid correct I did yeah and uh, Ally Afraidy was on that team too yeah I don't know if I was playing with Al at that time mm-hmm. I think I was I think Al was on the team yeah um that was the Adre Nationals we went there with and um yeah, Al was on the team. I, th- I think Al and, and and myself are the only two that went, uh, you know, on on to hockey after uh, after minors. But um, the big guy at the tournament that year was Sylvain Cote, and, the defenseman. Uh, yeah. Okay. And uh, he was he was as big then as he was in the NHL. Wow. Uh, playing in Pee Wee, he would take a slap shot from the red line and put it top shelf. 
uh, in the, at this peewee tournament, and it was amazing. Like uh, the Colise- uh, the Quebec Coliseum was full when uh, when he was playing, and um, he touched the puck, and everybody would stand up in the place. It was unbelievable. The uh, <laughs> the uh, that, that that was unbelievable watching him play at that level and and dominate the way he did. Uh, it was it was really cool. What was that like for for a young kid? Because I believe when you go up there to play, uh, I believe don't you get your own hockey card and everything like that. So that had to be a pretty cool experience for a youngster. Yeah, I don't remember getting cards, but we, okay. we did a lot of the we traded a lot of the pins, uh, the mm-hmm. metal pins. And um, I, I still have my uh, collection of pins from when I was a peewee and, and younger. And uh, uh, the, the cool thing going to that tournament is um, I don't know if they do it anymore, but we used to uh, go with a, with a French family and we would stay the, you know, the week that we were there or, or the five days or whatever we were there, we'd stay in their house with them. And, you know, they would take us out to dinner and, and, and uh, we would eat the, you know, their food and, it was just, it was a cool uh, thing. And a lot of times the people, they didn't have kids or if they did, you, you know, you'd hang out with the kids. But the, the, I remember the family I had was just a man and a wife and uh, me and another player were there. And uh, we had just a great time with these people. It was, uh, it was a really neat experience. That's cool. Um, in 1983, you were drafted uh, in two of the junior leagues. Uh, you were drafted in the sixth round by Peterborough and then you were drafted in the 15th round by Hull. What made you choose the Quebec League? It, it was a really confusing time. Like, um, you know, looking back, uh, my parents and I didn't do enough homework at the, at, at the time. Um, but I was being uh, sought after by uh, the Sioux Greyhounds. They told me, hey, Rick, we're going to take you in the second or third round. When the draft came, I, I uh, was waiting and, and uh, you know, I ended up getting picked uh, two, two, two picks before, uh, the Sioux got to pick Peterborough, uh, got to choose and they chose me. And when I walked to the table, I went by the Sioux table and they said, Rick, we're, we're going to pick you, you know, next. Like, uh, and I was like, Oh man, no problem, whatever. Um, but anyway, I had talked to, uh, Pat Burns was actually the guy that scouted me. Uh, he saw me at a tournament and, um, I forget what the, tur- it was a Thanksgiving tournament. He, he, he saw me at this tournament and I, I got the MVP of the tournament and we ended up winning the championship of the tournament. Anyway, uh, that summer Pat came to uh, Detroit and uh, watched some, uh, we had some Olympic trials uh, um, going on at that time. And uh, he came down and uh, we had a, some showcase tournaments and whatnot going on, but he came down and, and, and met my parents and met me and, uh, I told him at that time that I wasn't going to come to the Quebec League, that I was going to the Ontario League, because I thought I was pretty wrapped up with uh, with Sue. Um, but uh, then when Peterborough drafted me, I, I I called Pat and I said, "Well, you can draft me, whatever. I, I'm not sure what's happening now." So anyway, Paul just drafted me in the 15th round just so they could have my rights. Okay. Um, it was kind of a throw-in at the end, you know. Mm-hmm. And because uh, they thought for sure I would go to the Ontario League, so that summer I went to uh, Peterborough's training camp. It was it was a rookie camp actually in the, in the middle of the summer. So my parents drove me from from Detroit to Peterborough, and we had to find our own hotel. They they didn't have any kind of uh, any kind of person telling us uh, to go to whichever hotel. We found our own hotel. We you know 
we, uh, you know, um, found the restaurants, we found the rink all by ourselves. You know, I was in, I was in top shape at that time. I was, I was working out like crazy. Anyway, my test scores during this rookie camp was, was better than anybody. I, I was the number one guy test wise. Dick Todd was the coach at the time and, uh, nobody talked to me the whole weekend. Uh, I didn't talk to any coaches. I didn't talk to anybody except a couple of the players. Uh, Bruce Shoebottom was my, uh, was my partner during the weekend. Anyway, that's the year that Iserman, uh, he left that year to go to Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but they had a good team in Peterborough at that time, but none of the coaching staff talked to me. I, I was on my way out the door at the end of the, at the end of the weekend. And Dick Todd said, we'll see a camp, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> for, thanks for chatting. You know, like. <laughs> I, I, so I got a, I got a bad feeling about, you know, I'm, I'm 17 years old and, um, I, I didn't know what to, what to draw from that. You know, did, did they not like me? Uh, what was it? You know, Mm -hmm. anyway, Hall drafted me. They, they flew us into Hall. They came and got us at the airport. They took us to a hotel. They paid for everything all weekend. They took a, you know, they, uh, they took us out to dinner every night. They showed me the school I was going to be at and, and introduced me to some people I would be living, living with. And I mean, they rolled out the red carpet, you know? Yeah. And at the time my dad said, these guys really want you, you know, like that other, that other bunch, they, they <laughs> didn't really care. It seemed like. So anyway, I made, I made, made a decision based on that. And, um, you know, looking back, you know, at that time, 75% probably of the draft choices for the NHL was coming out of the O, you know? Yeah. So looking back, I, I think I should have, uh, went to Peterborough's camp and actually during training camp in Hull, um, Dick Todd called me and, uh, he called where I was staying, the, the pension I was staying at. And, uh, he said, are you sure you don't want to come to camp? He said, uh, you know, like, we got a spot for you here. And I was, I was like, dude, like nobody talked to me at that camp. <laughs> you guys had any interest, you know, like hindsight's 2020 Joe. Yep. Oh yeah. So I, 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 uh, I had a great three years in Hull. Luke Robitaille, Stefan Riche, not, not the Montreal Stefan Riche, but a, a defenseman yep. mm-hmm. who he played, uh, he played, a you know, a few games in, uh, Boston and, yep. Uh, and this guy named Sam Lang and myself, four of us, we were the uh, nucleus of rookies that year that three years later would take this team to the Memorial Cup. But we had terrible leadership. <laughs> uh, my first year there, um, our, our veteran players were, uh, uh, they, they weren't good leaders. Um, you know, I, I've heard some of the other guys on your, on your podcast here talk about, you know, the, the guys in their junior team grooming them to be the next leaders of the, of the, of that franchise, you know, and, uh, uh, we had none of that, uh, Luke and myself and, uh, Steph and Sam, we had to kind of, uh, it was trial by fire, uh, basically. And by Christmas we were leading the team, you know, uh, and, you know, again, in hindsight, I think, um, that made us better leaders as we move forward in our junior career, you know, I would imagine. Uh, I ask this of, of uh, guests sometimes when they play with someone like you did playing with Luke Robitaille, because you've played with a bunch of guys over your career, 
But even though you guys were still so young, when you watch a guy like Luke Robitaille, even at that age, can you just tell that there's something special about him? Yeah, uh, Luke and I, are first, my first year in Hull, Luke and I lived together. He, uh, he couldn't speak English, so my job was to teach him to speak English. Uh, you know, when he got inducted into the Hall of Fame in, in the Quebec League, um, he was making his speech, and he, he told that story. He said, Rick, uh, you know, taught me how to speak English, and he said... Uh, I, 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 I introduced him to Patin and, uh, (laughs) he said, look what it's done for him. So he, he got me good on that one. But, uh, um, yeah, like Luke, uh, you know, when he got drafted in the, in the Quebec league, uh, they said this kid, this kid will never be, uh, drafted high in the NHL or may not even get drafted in the NHL because he, he can't skate. Uh, he, he was always an awkward skater, Uh but. I'll tell you, Joe, after every single practice, that guy was the last guy on the ice and he would do skating drills, balance drills for an extra half hour or 20 minutes after everybody else was off the ice, he'd be out there by himself, making himself better, you know, and then he would keep a guy out with him and work on his one timers, you know, on, uh, on his, on his power play spot, you know, but man, uh, yeah, you, you can tell, you know, you can tell a guy like that. Uh, like I said, by Christmas, uh, Luke was, you know, running the room, uh, when things were going bad, he would, he would, he would be the one that stood up and, uh, uh, because he was bilingual, he would, he would yell at everybody in both languages, you know? (laughs) Um, but, uh, but yeah, Luke, Luke was amazing. Um, you've seen lots of guys like that, uh, Jacques calendar, you know, guys that have been said, Oh, that kid can't skate but they fill the net with the puck, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing to watch him uh, blossom into, you know, what, what he's, what he's become, you know? Yeah. And uh, another player who I believe was older than you, and he joined the team uh, later in the season, sort of uh, a legendary enforcer, minor league enforcer, played a few games up with the Nordiques. Uh, what are your memories of playing with Serge Roberge? Yeah. Uh, well, Serge was there um, when I got there. Oh, okay. Um, Okay. Yeah, he he came he came the, the season before I got there. Oh, okay. Late in the year, so he was at training camp, and we had another humongous guy on our team, um, Joel Barajon. Yep. And it was this is a funny funny story. Um, Joe and Luke and myself and Sam were standing. We are already skated, so we got off the ice the first day of training camp. Uh, we had already played our exhibition game against the other team. And then, um, so we were watching the next two teams and we were all standing at the glass by the penalty box and Serge and Joel decided they're going to fight. And they, they got in this fight and it was, we, we were right in front of each other. And, uh, I forget which one it was, but one of their teeth came flying out of their mouth and, and, uh, landed on the ice and, <laughs> We had front row seats to this fight, and after the fight, we all looked at each other and we're like, "Oh my God, what are we for?" Right? Like, uh, it was uh, it, it was an epic fight, but um, anyway, that was our that was my first experience watching a fight up close like that, you know. Uh, and then it just took off from there, you know. Serge is a very quiet guy. Um, yeah. He stays to himself. I don't know if it was that fight or it was uh, watching him fight for, uh, I think he got traded halfway through our that year. 
um, he got, they traded him away, but, um, I don't know what it was, but I've, I've always had a lot of respect for Serge. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of those guys that are just in my, in my mind, you know, a super tough guy. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I always had lots of respect for him because I guess he was the first guy that I knew that was my teammate. That was a, that was a, a true, a true fighter, you know? Oh yeah, no, same here. He's one of my favorites, and uh, I have him on my Mount Rushmore. That's for sure. I love, uh, I love Serge. There's a guy that you fought a couple of times that year. Uh, unfortunately, I, I don't have any video of you from uh, from Hull, but a guy named Steve Massey of Shawinigan. Uh, you fought him a couple of times, and he's a name that pops up several times on your fight card in junior. So I guess I'm wondering, uh, was there a rivalry there, or you guys just always seem to hook up by chance? Uh, yeah, there was a big rival like us, uh, ourselves in Schwinnigan, uh, we, we, uh, you know, that, that we didn't like each other at all. So, um, Ronnie LaPointe was a coach in Schwinnigan and, um, him and Bernsey had a real thing for each other also. Mm-hmm. So the coaches went at it hard and, um, there's so many funny stories with, with those two teams, uh. Uh, one night I scored, I took a slap shot from the red line and scored against Schwinnigan and Pat stood up on the boards and was clapping his hands like, <laughs> uh, and that didn't uh, go over well. Ronnie LaPointe used to, so the visiting team used to have to cross the ice to get to their locker room in between periods. Mm-hmm. And Ronnie LaPointe was crossing the ice after the first or second period, something. And somebody, one of the fans threw an egg at him. <laughs> And, and, and smoked him with this egg. So the next period he was crossing the ice, he had a, he had one of the guy's helmets on. And, uh, <laughs> that was, uh, that was a big, uh, that was a big, uh, got, got a big roar out of the crowd there. So, but yeah, me and, uh, me and, uh, Masse, like, so, okay. So in junior, I was 170 pounds at, you know, soaking wet mm. and Masse was about 215. <laughs> so okay. we used to fight, uh, you know, two or three times a year, you know, like, yeah. and he was so much bigger that I, I don't know how I did it. I just kind of stood away from him, I guess. But, uh, uh, yeah, we had, uh, we had a real hatred for each other. Uh, didn't like him very much, but, uh, respected him, you know, but, mm-hmm. you know, tried to give him the beats. <laughs> how, um, so normally, uh, players, their first year junior, it's an adjustment, just getting used to that level of play. But in addition to that, you also had to, I would imagine it has to be a serious adjustment being an English speaking player in predominantly French speaking, you know, province of Quebec. How was that adjustment as well? Uh, the first week I was there, um, Luke and I were in a, were in a house that, um, only out of the two sons, the one son spoke a little bit of broken English. The wife, uh, spoke just a little bit of English. So it was tough because I, I really didn't communicate with a lot of people with, you know, on any serious level. Uh, and Luke's English wasn't great at the time. So we had trouble communicating. Uh, but yeah, I, the first, I would say the first month there, I was pretty lonely and, uh, you know, uh, like 17 and you're moving away from home and uh, you're, you're, you know, 11, 12 hours from home. And, uh, yeah, no one to talk to. It, it was it was it was a bit tough uh, looking back. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, in the locker room, everybody, uh, we the coaches all spoke English, and uh, when they got pissed, they would speak French, but that was all right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, 
it wasn't too bad. I went to an English school. I went to a SAGEP, an English SAGEP. So that was, that was good. I, I got to speak to English people there and we had a lot of the guys from Montreal were in English also. So mm-hmm. had, uh, we had a lot of English in the locker room. So, um, the, the adjustment wasn't crazy bad, but mm-hmm. it, it was, uh, I'd, I'd say a little more difficult than going to, uh, than, than Peterborough would have been. Right. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second year, uh, another guy came on board in Hull, pr- a pretty colorful guy that uh, I watched throughout uh, the years in the minors. You, you were a teammate of his later on, but uh, what are your memories of playing with Mark Somier? Oh, yeah, Soms was a good kid. Um, so he was a local kid in Hull, mm. and um, so he was playing midget for Hull, watching us watching us play. So uh, my second year was his first year. And he came into camp, and um, so Mark is from a family of uh, like four or five brothers, mm-hmm. and they're all troublemakers. Uh, <laughs> and they, his brother Raymond, actually played in NHL. I think for Hartford, he was a tough guy too. Yep. But his older brothers were all troublemakers, and uh, they all ended up being uh, being cops uh, later in life, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, his dad was a tough man too, so I'm sure that Mark had pressure to uh, to to fight me uh, his first chance, right? Mm-hmm. So we uh, we squared off uh, the first day of camp, I think, um, and we had a fight, and uh, he did pretty good. Like he uh, he held his own, and uh, and I was I was I was surprised that uh, at his strength and uh, you know his uh, his fighting ability. He was a boxer. Uh, as a kid, uh, the same as I was growing up. So he, he could handle himself pretty good. And, uh, uh, you know, we had our fight and then, uh, I think we only fought one time after that and it wasn't much of a fight, but we became great friends and we're still friends. So that year you finished, uh, you led the team at penalty minutes, 367. You were second in the queue to, uh, someone named, uh, Regis Schwinnard who had 412 and you ended up fighting him that year. Now, I don't know anything about that guy. Uh, you actually fought him twice that year. Uh, do you remember fighting the, uh, Quebec league leader in PIMS? Yeah, I do. Like the first time we fought, uh, he sucker punched me and we had a line brawl going on and he sucker punched me and knocked my front tooth out. And, um, he didn't knock it out immediately. It, it turned gray over the next couple of weeks, but he sucker punched me. And, um, and we, uh, I think he played for Schwinnigan, correct? Uh, I'm going to butcher it and say, well, I'm going to anglicize it. Three rivers. Three rivers, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not, uh, was it Trois Rivières? I don't know, yeah, but that's Trois where we played. Uh, the Davio brothers were there too. They had a really tough team that year. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, uh, he sucker punched me and, and ended up my tooth ended up being knocked out later. Uh, so the next time I played against him, he wasn't going to sucker me, uh, you know, this time. And uh, we had a big uh, big brouhaha going on in their building, and I I ended up fighting him, and uh, I I. I remember doing really well, but somehow I got cut and, um, I was, I was bleeding pretty good. I, I ended up skating down the middle of the ice with my hands in the air in their building with blood, you know, pouring out of my, my forehead or where it was coming from. And, uh, uh, that was quite the, quite the, uh, <laughs> quite the show. 
Now, you mentioned earlier uh, the rivalry with uh, Shewinigan, and I don't know if this was this player's first year there, but you fought him three times that season, and that's Eric Demers. Do you remember your battles with him? Yeah, he was a big kid. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he was probably 6'4". Yeah, I, I don't know why I fought him so much, mm-hmm. but uh, because he was the biggest guy there, I guess. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I don't know that he was... Uh, I don't know anything about Eric. I don't know if yeah. he was a guy or, but he always ended up with me in a pile up. And uh, so we, uh, we had some battles, but, uh, yeah, I, I do remember the one fight he was trying to fight somebody else. And I, I kind of grabbed him and pulled him over and said, if you're going to fight anybody, it's going to be me. So, uh, but, um, Joe, I, I got a lot of this stuff on tape. I'll, I, I'll send you some footage of, of some, uh, of some stuff I got, uh, I meant oh, to do that before, but I haven't had time here. Uh, it was kind of last minute. Yeah, no, I'd love it. I'd love it. We'll talk about that afterwards. Um, sure. And this year was uh, your first battle with someone who would appear on your card uh, over the years, over and over, and that's Ronnie Stern. Uh, what do you remember about battling Ronnie? Yeah, Ronnie was, uh, you know, he, he was uh, always a gamer and uh, ready to go. Uh and as he got older, he, uh, he matured and got bigger and, uh, yeah, he was a tough kid. He was always tough. And, uh, we, we, we had a few battles. Yep. Now you go into the playoffs and you fight. Uh, I would imagine that, uh, this guy was never small and it's actually a player that you ended up playing for towards the end of your career. Uh, mountain of a man also, uh, played a little bit with Montreal and that's Jerry Fleming. Uh, what do you remember fighting? Uh, what do you remember about fighting, uh, Verdun's big man, Jerry Fleming? Yeah, Jerry was, he was, he was big and junior, you know, yeah. like he was the in the league, uh, but uh, Jerry and I laugh a lot. Like I, I ended up playing a little bit for him there mm-hmm. down, down in uh, Tallahassee. But uh, every time we get together, we laugh about um, uh, he, they. They used to put him in front of the net on the power play, yeah, and because uh, he was so big or whatever. And he's like, "Rick, you were the only one that could move me out of the front of the net because I'd always cross check him in the in the in that floating rib, that bottom rib." Mm-hmm. And, uh, he said, as soon as I'd turn my feet to get away from your cross checks, you'd push me out of the way. He said, you're the only one that could move me out of the front of the net. But, uh, uh, we had some, we had some great battles, uh, not just fighting, but, uh, front of the net on the power play as well. So that season, um, and it looked like you said, uh, by the Christmas of your first season, uh, you, you know, the rookies kind of took over the leadership and now you're going into the second year, uh, that year counting playoffs, you had 34 fights. So obviously, uh, at that point you're still establishing yourself, but also was there a level of comfort because you had played that you had already played one season now, uh, second season there, you've been around the league, you're maybe gaining more confidence in what you do. Was that all, did that all come into play with the number of fights you had? Yeah, I, th- I think the first year I, like you said, you know, I was just kind of learning some stuff and, um, uh, but I remember the second year, um, my, my right hand was, uh, from the tips of my fingers to my elbow, it was all swelled up. And all, all soft, you know, like from from fighting and, and hitting helmets and visors and whatnot. And um, it was like that until like Christmas. I, I must, I think I had twenty five fights before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And um, 
before the game, the doctor would come in and he'd look at my hand and he'd say, okay, Rick, no fights tonight, man. He said, your hand is a mess. You know, like after the first period, I, I'd go in a, I'd go in the training room and the doctor would be standing there. And I, 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 I had two fights in the, in the first period. He'd be bitter at me. He'd be like, I told you no fighting tonight. You know, like, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I had a lot of fights my second year. Um, and I, I think it was just, uh, uh, I think I was just learning the trade and, uh, and liking it, that's just the way. It, that's just just the way it went. You know, we. Uh, I don't remember if I was the only guy in Hull or or, or what was going on uh, back in the second year, but I, I remember fighting a lot in the second year. Yeah, I think it, if my notes are correct, it really was just you and Somier. Not you know, Serge was gone, and uh, so it was really just you and uh, Mark. So it kind of makes sense, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And we had, we had, uh, we had a few guys that, that liked to chirp and, uh, you know, and stir things up. So I think that got me in a lot of trouble as well. <laughs> and, <laughs> and going into your third year, you alluded to it earlier, the Memorial cup year, uh, talk about these additions. I mean, you, you, uh, you're still there. Somier starts the year there. Obviously he doesn't end the year. Uh, Luke is coming into his third year. Also, Cam Russell was there. Stefan Matteau was there. Martin Simard was there. And there may have been players who peaked in junior that didn't make it to the NHL like the guys I just mentioned. But those are three pretty big additions uh, for a team, no? Yeah, we had um, Wayne Gretzky and uh, uh, his group bought the team that year. Okay. And uh, I think it was uh, uh, Paul Coffey. And uh, David Foster, the uh, mu- music guy there out in L.A., they all bought the team that year. And uh, Charlie Henry came in as our GM. We had a great draft that year. Like you said, we got Cam Russell and uh, Benoit Brunet. Okay, yeah. Played, played in Montreal. Uh, um, we had some great rookies that year that came in. And then we got uh, Guy uh, O. Oh, uh, we traded for Guy. That's who Somier went for. And Guy Rouleau was um, a very small guy, but he was a magician in junior. And uh, he he's a guy that was amazing in junior, but just couldn't make the step into the into the pros. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a he had a decent uh, career in Europe, and unfortunately, he he ended up uh, getting uh, brain cancer, and he passed away a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. But. Uh, Guy and Luke together that year, they had 191 points each. And, um, so, so Luke had, Luke had 191 points, I think, or 190 points going into the final game that year. And Guy had 189 or something. Anyway, the last two periods, we didn't even play Luke. He, Luke didn't play. So he wouldn't get no more points. And Guy played every other game or every other shift so he could get the, the 191 to tie with Luke. Right. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, those two guys together were unstoppable. And then, uh, Pat Brisson, um, who's now the, the big agent yeah. for the NHL, Sydney's Sydney Crosby's agent and everybody. Uh, anyway, Pat, uh, was the third guy on that line and, um, they were unstoppable. Um, uh, you know, Pat, Pat never, went past junior. Uh, I think he played, uh, he went to training camp in Montreal the next year or something, and then played a part of a year in Sherbrooke. But, uh, 
but that that line was unbelievable in junior. They were they were the best one of the best junior lines that ever that ever played. I'm looking at the stats now. Rulo had 91 goals and 100 assists. Yeah. Oh my! And I I remember Guy played in Springfield a little bit with the Indians, so I remember yeah. him from there. Uh, yeah. So Guy Rulo, 91 goals, 100 assists, and Robitaille only 68 goals and 123 assists. That's crazy. Right. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. The Stefan Richet that I told you about yeah. and myself were the defensive pair that played with those guys. I had 48 points that, that, that year. I never even, <laughs> I don't remember touching the puck, right? Like, so <laughs> we just, we just passed it. We just throw it around the boards from behind the net and they, those guys would go score and we'd, we'd have points, you know? Yeah. Smart move. Smart move. Now, were you team captain that year? I was. Yeah. Yeah. How, what, how big of an honor was that? Uh, it was great, you know. Like, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I I missed my draft year the year before, so I, I didn't get drafted when I was supposed to get drafted. So um, I was pretty down going home that year. Um, so in the summer, Pat Burns called me and uh, he said, "Rick, uh, you know, we're you know Gretzky bought the team and." Things are really ramping up around here. And I said, Pat, you know what? I'm, I'm not even sure I'm coming back. And um, he's like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, man, I I just, I don't, uh, I, I missed my draft year. I mean, what's what's the sense, you know? Like, what's the, and he's like, dude, he said, I, I, I'm making you captain. And, yeah. you know, you need this team. We're, we're going to, we're going to try to go to the Memorial Cup. And I, I, I was like, uh. He said, well, at least come back and help the young guys. He said, we got a good crop of young guys. Uh, we got a couple of young defensemen that we drafted that they're going to need help. And I'm like, yeah, man, okay, I'll, I'm, I'm back, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, so that was my conversation in the middle of summer. But by the time training camp around came around, I was, I was, you know, ready to go. So Someone who played a major role in the punch-up in Piastani was uh, Everett Sanipas. You fought him that year. He's with Verdun. You remember fighting Sanipas? Oh, yeah. That was, that was a good one. That was a long one. Uh, he, he's another guy that was, you know, as big in junior as he was in the NHL. And, uh, uh, yeah, um, he, he was a big, tough guy and, uh, we had a, we had a good battle there. Um, but it, it, it lasted for a while. (laughs) Yeah. So you, the playoff, the playoff start, the Quebec league playoffs, and you, you guys sweep all three series, 15 and 0 on your way to the Memorial cup. I mean, did you guys, especially when you're young and you're kids and you feel superhuman and invincible, is that kind of how it felt for that team at that point? You know, when it was happening, we weren't aware of, of what was like the, the, the Quebec league that year went best of nine series. Right. Um, so we had to, we had to win five games. We, we, like you said, we won 15 straight, but when the series, when we were winning them, like, we weren't really aware of how how cool it was or how epic it was, right? But to, to go undefeated in the playoffs is is unbelievable, and yeah. uh, it was uh, yeah. Looking back, hindsight, man, it was it, it was unreal. But uh, when it was happening, you know, we were so focused. I think that's I think that's uh, uh, a tribute to uh, Pat Burns. You know, like um, Burnsy wasn't the best. This is my opinion about about Burnsy's coaching style. Bernsey wasn't the best technical guy. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't do the X and O's and you know, he wasn't, he wasn't great with that stuff and he, he wasn't a good skater. He, he, so he couldn't, he couldn't show you how to do things on the ice. 
But what Bernsey was really good at is is mentally judging his team and knowing how to press each guy's button. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think I think he was really good at um, keeping us focused on our day to day thing without even saying day to day. You know, he, he would just if we won, uh, you know, we won four games. Uh, we, we had to go into game five uh, in a series. He would bag skate us the day before the game, you know, and, and he would break his stick over the boards and say, you guys are a bunch of, that, you know, yeah. shitheads, you know, like, you know what I mean? He, yep. he would keep us on our toes all the time, no matter if we were sweeping a series or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what I remember of, of Bernsey's coaching during that time. And I, I think it kept us focused on game to game, you know, like we, we didn't look at the whole big picture, you know. And when when the Memorial Cup starts, uh, you beat two teams uh, from the Western League. You beat Portland, then you beat Kamloops. You have a, a fight in each of those games. You fought Dan Woodley of Portland and uh, Mark Kachowski of Kamloops. You remember uh, either of those two fights? Oh, yeah. The uh, the Woodley fight. Um, the first, uh, I think, I think uh, back then. Uh, the Western league didn't have much respect for the Quebec league. Um, uh, you know, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. but anyway, uh, yeah, Woodley was hurt. I believe, uh, I think he had some ailment like a leg or a knee or something. I think his, his goal was to come out and, uh, and, and get an edge, uh, fighting wise on us. Anyway, he, um, we, we ended up together and, and, uh, the fight went pretty good, whatever. And, uh, I, I don't remember the fight specifically with Woodley, just that, that he was out. Of, he, he didn't come back and play. Um, I think his job was to come out and take one of us out or whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, but the Kachowski fight, Joe, I'm telling you, if you ever heard, like my dad had, has a cassette tape of the radio announcer during this fight, mm-hmm. this fight lasted four minutes. I'm oh not, I'm God. not kidding you. <laughs> I'm not Ow. kidding. Like this, the the announcer, the radio announcer was like a like a baseball announcer trying to find things to fill the space, you know. <laughs> while while this fight was going on, but this fight this fight lasted uh, I I I'd have to say minimum three minutes. Wow. Um, it just went on and on forever. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was an epic fight, man. And then uh, final game uh, against Guelph didn't go your way. Um, is it something, I guess at the time it's devastating, but is it something that as you look back on it, you could really appreciate the journey and of course you want to win. Uh, but you guys accomplished a lot that season. Yeah, we had a great season. All our young guys, you know, showed up in the uh, Memorial cup. Cam Russell fought uh, Rudy post check there. And, um, he took a, he took a beating from Rudy, uh, um, and, and he kept coming back. Uh, Cam, Cam was one of the toughest people. He's one of the toughest people I know. Like, yeah, you know, he, he was a fighter for a long time and, mm-hmm. uh, and, um, he, he took some shots, but, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, we had a great team. We, uh, we had a great season and, uh, Guelph deserved to win that year. They, they, they played, uh, they played that, that, uh, trap and, uh, it, that definitely wasn't our game. So, they shut us down in the round robin tournament, and then they shut us down in the finals. Uh, so they they beat us both games there, and uh, 
they deserved to win the cup that year, unfortunately. But, uh, but yeah, we we uh, we had a great season. I you know I have no regrets from uh, from that season or, or junior or whatever. Just you know, it was a fantastic way to end our uh, end our junior careers. So uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. Um, you are fourth all time in Hull Olympics history in penalty minutes with 941. Uh, number one on that list is Peter Worrell, who had 1,202 in uh, in one fewer game than you. So uh, I guess Peter just wanted to obliterate the record from anybody. Wow, that's a lot of penalty minutes. I did a lot. I did a lot of stupid shit. He must have been really stupid. <laughs> I think I think it was him and George LaRock and Terrio and uh you know I guess they were just having some fun, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So you uh you mentioned how you missed your draft year and then uh this summer actually you end up getting drafted uh eighth round, 162nd overall, uh by Montreal. So um obviously you want to get drafted your first year of eligibility, but, uh, but what was your, what was your feeling uh, knowing that you were drafted uh, once you knew that you were drafted by Montreal? Well, it, it was, it was, it was strange. Uh, so again, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, back at, back in the day or back at that time, I wasn't uh, totally, uh, you know, knowledgeable about all this stuff. And um, so I had an agent, uh, my third year junior, I, I hooked up with an agent, Howard Gorwitz from uh, Detroit. Howard called me and said, hey, I want to represent you. And uh, so we met him in Detroit and, and uh, we hooked up with him. And Howard, at, up until to that point, was doing uh, like tennis players and soccer players and stuff like that, representing those kind of athletes. Mm. And he wanted to get into hockey. So I was his first hockey project. So after the Memorial Cup, I was talking to like five teams, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, they had contacted me and said, you know, we'd like to, uh, invite you to camp and whatever. And, uh, kind of like as a free agent, you know, so I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, I, I got to make a decision between these five teams. Um, so the draft came around and apparently I wasn't at the draft, but apparently Howard was going around selling me like, like, uh, like cheap popcorn, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> he wanted to get me drafted something fierce. Uh, so anyway, uh, uh, you know, I had some ties in Montreal with, uh, Doug Harvey from, uh, from Hull, you know, watching all of our games and, uh, you know, we were pretty heavily scouted by Montreal, uh, other scouts as well. But anyway, they ended up drafting me. I think, I don't know, just, just to, uh, <laughs> to, to make Howard go, go sit down and be quiet. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I got drafted by Montreal. I was excited to get drafted by Montreal, but, uh, the only problem with that is they won the, they won the cup that year yep. and, uh, they had a loaded team and, uh, a lot of good defensemen and they had a lot of toughness. <laughs> <And> yeah. <laughs> so it was a super hard lineup to crack, but, uh, yeah, I was, I was excited to get drafted by him and uh and uh you know uh they're an epic team right so yeah yep. what's that like walking into the locker room and at, at that point with montreal they had a bunch of you know obviously legendary veterans they had some up-and-coming young players uh i would think for any kid 
getting drafted, that first training camp, walking into any locker room um, could be sort of overwhelming. But now you're walking into the locker room of the Stanley Cup champions in the most storied franchise uh, in the league uh, as an 18-year-old, I guess, or, or if you were 19 at the time. Uh, what what was that feeling like? Well, uh, so the year before, um, I, I didn't get drafted. Uh, but at training camp, at our training camp that year, uh, Gretzky showed up with coffee and Foster and, and watched our training camp mm-hmm. because our training camp opened before the NHL in, in Hull, uh, in all junior. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, we had a, we had a, a, a home and away series against Ottawa, um, back to back games mm-hmm. in each other's buildings back then they did that. They, they quit doing it uh, now because it's a fight fest. Yeah. Um, uh, we, we, you know, 400 minutes a game. It was just crazy. Uh, the amounts of fights, but anyway, I fought Gary Roberts, um, three times in two games. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, so after, after the second game in Hull, Wayne asked Pat in the locker room, he's like, uh, you know, who'd risk, who's he drafted by whatever. And Pat said, well, he missed his draft. And so, Wayne called Edmonton and got me draft, got me uh, invited to Edmonton's training camp. Oh wow! Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I went to Edmonton uh, that year for training camp as a free agent. Okay. And um, uh, I, I, so when I got to Edmonton, it was the same thing. They, they were in the midst of their four year run, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, all 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 the all the stars were there. You know the. Messier, Fuhr, Anderson, you know, um, you know, Gretz and, and Coffee and Huddy and all, all of them, you know. And so my, um, I got to, I got to Edmonton and, and I went to uh, Northlands Coliseum and the, the the hotel used to be I don't know if it still is it was, well obviously not but it was right across the street from Northlands where we stayed and uh, I, I walked across the first morning to. Uh, to, to go to Northlands to, to, you know, start doing training camp. And, uh, there was a phone booth in a parking lot. So I, I, I said, Oh, I'm going to call my dad real quick and say, good morning. You know, uh, I hadn't talked to him in a couple of days. So I call him up and I'm on the phone in this phone booth in the parking lot and Messier drives in with a Brown Porsche. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, dad, mess just drive by, drove by in a Porsche. And I said, Oh my God. I said, there's Grant Fuhrer. You know, he drove in. I told him the kind of car, but I stood there for like 15 minutes <laughs> telling, telling my dad what kind of cars everybody drove and who's driving in. And, uh, that was, that was a really cool conversation. But, uh, anyway, uh, after the first day, uh, at, at training camp there, um, the trainer came up to, so they, they split the team. They split the, the group into four teams during training camp back then. Mm-hmm. And you would play a round robin tournament against each other's all these teams, right? And and then after a week or so, exhibition games would start, and they would start making cuts and whatnot. Um, anyway, I uh, uh, the first day I skated with my group, and Wayne's Wayne's group had already skated. Um, so the trainer came up to me after I got off the ice, and he said, "Hey, hurry up and get dressed." He said, "Wayne's coming to pick you up." <laughs> Wow. And I'm like, I'm like, really? And so I, I, I hurried up and got dressed and Wayne come in and he was bullshitting with people for a while. And he's like, okay. He said, Rick, come on, grab your shit. Let's go. So we go out to his car 
and we get into his car and we drive across the street to the hotel and he said, go up in your room. He said, pack your shit and bring it. He said, you're going to stay with me at my oh. place. Oh my God. Dude, I'm 18, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and Wayne Gretzky's waiting for me in the parking lot, man. I, I, I packed my shit like I, in a big, you know, in a hurry and, and mm. ran down the steps and, uh, Anyway, we're driving through Edmonton. Every light, we'd stop, and people would be hanging out their cars, like waving at Wayne and honking. And oh man, it was it was it was surreal, you know. Wow. Uh, anyway, we got to his place there, and uh, he showed me around. He he had two floors of a apartment building, mm-hmm. and uh, the the bottom floor was like all really nice stuff, you know, his his kitchen and his dining room and living room all nice. And then you went up the stairs to a uh, to like a TV room Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, uh, and then he showed me my room and whatnot. And anyway, it just, it it was all surreal. It was really cool. You could have just retired on the spot right there because it's not going to get better than that. Right. Absolutely. I, uh, you know, like I said, 18 years old, you're in the best player in the world's apartment, you know, sitting there, you know, crashing, watching TV with them. What, 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 what's better. (laughs) I kept looking over at him like, Really? Like, what the hell is going on here? Uh, thank God we didn't have smartphones back then. He would have said, all right, stop filming me. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, in your first camp in Montreal, and, and this is something I didn't know, and I'll thank you for the information, you had a few scraps in uh, in camp with some of your teammates. Uh, one of them was uh, David Maley. Uh, what precipitated that? Uh, I, I don't know. There was nothing that really – it really led up to it. It was just one of those bump, bump into each other things and, uh, give it a shot, you know, see what happens. And, uh, so yeah, he, he did, he did pretty well in that fight. I, I didn't do as well as I wanted. Um, uh, back then I was having trouble a little bit with left-handers. So, mm-hmm. um, he, I think he surprised a lot of guys uh, being left-handed. Yeah. Males wasn't, he wasn't known to be like a, a killer heavyweight tough guy, Right. but, but he was secretly, uh, a tough man. And, uh, and being left-handed and good at it, um, you know, he surprised a lot of people. Yep. And, uh, you had a couple of run-ins with, uh, everyone's not so favorite past Claude Lemieux. Um, I heard there's an interesting backstory there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Pepe, Pepe is what I call him. Pepe Lemieux. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, yeah. yeah, So I played junior against Claude. Mm -hmm. He was in Laval or in, uh, sorry, in, uh, uh, Verdun. Mm-hmm. And, um, we had a big brawl against Verdun. Uh, we, we, we had a huge rival with them. I never, I never really got a hold of them in this brawl. We ended up, uh, so I lived in, I lived in Hull. I, I had a girlfriend at the time. And so I stayed in Hull that summer and, uh, I lived in Hull and I, I, uh, got a job for the summer at a, at a lumber yard or whatnot. And anyway, there was a golf tournament at the, at the, uh, golf, uh, club right there, just five miles from where I was staying at, at my girlfriend's house. And my girlfriend's father ended up going to this golf tournament and Lemieux was there. And, uh, anyway, he had heard a interview Lemieux was doing with somebody and the, the, uh, the interviewers was from Hull and he said, Hey, uh, you know, Rick Hayward's coming to the camp this year. Uh, you know, what do you think of that? And, and Claude said, uh, yeah, well, he, he thinks he's really tough, but I don't, we'll see. We'll have to see when he gets to camp. 
and my my father-in-law and i i still don't know if he really said that Mm -hmm. i don't know if my father-in-law was pulling my chain or not (laughs) but it's it sent the uh you know it sent the the wheels in motion Mm -hmm. and uh gave me incentive for the rest of the summer to work out really hard Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah i bet (laughs) so my first shift against claude um he, the puck came around the boards to him. He was on the wing and I, I took a run at him. Uh, I pinched in uh, as a defenseman, I pinched in on him and I, I hit him. And as I hit him, my stick flew over the glass. So now I don't have a stick. So he chips the puck by me, whatever the play goes down to my zone. I go down. Now it's me and him in front of the net and he's standing there trying to, you know, get his position in front of the net. And I don't have a stick. So I just, you know, punch him in the back of the back of the helmet, mm-hmm. let him know I'm behind him. And, uh, he turned around we dropped the gloves and, uh, we had a, we had a good, a good go. He, he's, he's a relatively tough guy. Like, yeah. uh, when he, when he fights, he can fight, you know, I know he's strong. He's a really strong yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he can, he can battle, you mm-hmm. know? So we had a, we had a pretty good fight there. And, uh, I think I tagged him a few times. So anyway, uh, back, you know, there was no referees in these games. So the guys all kind of stepped in, you know, when we got tired or whatever, and they're like, okay, it's done. You know, like pick up your shit, you know? So we start picking our gloves up and shit. And, uh, I look over and, and he said something to me. I'm not sure what he said but he was chirping me. And so I said, fuck you, dude. And we went again. <laughs> I, I threw my shit, I threw my shit down and grabbed him and, and I, I gave him a good beating that time. So, nice. uh, um, yeah, so I, I got, I got to beat up, uh, beat up Claude Lemieux. Uh, <laughs> but the next morning, uh, I was in a locker room with, uh, uh, Larry Robinson and Rick green and, uh, Chelios was on our team. Mm-hmm. And, uh, who else? Uh, uh, Chris Nyland, uh, Cordic was on my team. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Larry came in and he was sitting right next to me and, uh, he's, he's my childhood idol as well, you know, yeah. and next to him in the locker room is amazing. Yeah. But he comes in, he goes, Hey, has anybody seen Peppy's face? It looks like, <laughs> looks like he got run over by a train. <laughs> so we all had a good laugh about that. But, uh, yeah, so Claude, Claude wore sunglasses for a couple of days at training camp. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. What, uh, what do you remember about playing with John Cordick? Uh, Johnny was nuts, man. He yeah. was, he was a crazy dude. I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, uh, I, I didn't play with him a lot. Yeah. Uh, but he came, he did come down to uh Sherbrooke for a short, short, uh, I don't know if he was hurt and he, mm-hmm. he had to, you know, come down for conditioning or whatever, but he was there for uh, three or four weeks. And I, I had an apartment. I, I had him stay with me. And, uh, so we lived together for about a month there. And, uh, uh, he, he was just, he was a wild man, you know, yeah. on and off, on and off the ice, uh, mm-hmm. pretty much on the ice is what, what he acted like off the ice. He was, uh, he was, he was a wild man and, uh, he, he, he lived it up really good guy. You know, like he, he treated me super nice and, uh, you know, he was, a, he was a good dude, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, he went a little bit too hard. Yeah. Uh, another guy you played with that uh, your your paths would cross again later on. Uh, you played with a young Steve Fletcher. What do you remember about playing with Fletch? Yeah, Fletcher was a great guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a he was a great guy in, in Sherbrooke. Uh, he'd been there for a couple of years, and uh, he, he'd been around at that time. I think he was fourteen or fifteen years pro. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, so he he 
took me under his wing and, uh, you know, he helped me out a little bit that year. And, uh, yeah, we, uh, we were really good friends. You know, we played, you know, I think we were roommates on the road and played a lot of cards on the bus together. And he, he was a good dude. There's a guy that you played with that uh, always appeared on the uh, the old Sherbrooke fight tapes. Uh, I always kind of appreciate the small guys who play bigger than they are. And uh, you played with Luke Gauthier, and I always remember him always being in the middle of things. Uh, didn't seem like he was very big. Uh, what do you remember about playing with Luke? Yeah, Luke was Luke was uh, he was a real agitator, you know, mm-hmm. like. Uh, I played against him in junior mm. and I absolutely hated him Yeah, <laughs> uh, because he would stir shit up and, and then, and then not, not follow up, you know, um, yeah. uh, a lot of times, um, uh, that was his, that was his, uh, his thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, he was no different in pro, you know, he would, right. he, he would get under guy's skin. And, uh, if you had your head down and he was out there, he would find you, you know what I mean? He would, he would lay you out. Uh, he was a, he was like a, a stump, you know? Yeah. But, uh, he, he played the game hard and he worked hard. Yeah. He, he was, he was, a, he was a honest, good, hardworking guy, you know? Mm-hmm. But, uh, but he's one of those guys that did a lot of irritating Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, sometimes didn't back it up with the big guys, mm-hmm. he, you know? But man, he, he, he could sure hit it, lay you out if, uh, if you came with your head down. A uh, couple of fights you had that year with a couple of uh, new market saints. Uh, one guy was, uh, and both of these fights were really slugfest. Uh, one fight was against uh, Lever Straight, and if you didn't watch or know much about the American League back then, uh, he was a guy that could really throw them. I actually don't remember that that guy, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let me ask you about a guy who you probably do remember, Kevin McGuire. Yeah, Kevin McGuire and I had a good one. Uh, we were down in the corner, and uh, I don't know, we got tangled up there. And we fought, and then after the game, he he, he gave me a, a great compliment without even knowing he, he did it. He told one of the guys on my team that he was friends with that later came and told me. He said that he hasn't been in a fight like that in years. So, wow, nice. Um, that was a, that was a great compliment from uh, from Kevin. But we had we had a pretty good uh, we had a pretty good battle there. Uh, you had a game against Springfield where you had uh, two fights in the game. Uh, and in one of the fights, you fought Dale Henry, who I think his um, the thickness of his head goes underrated because guys who fought him would say that he has a very hard head. And Dale was not above throwing the occasional headbutt. And uh, oh, I think geez. he headbutted you in that fight. Do you remember that one? Yeah, I do. That that was a uh, that was a bad one. Uh, I, yeah, I think we were we were tied up pretty good, and uh, I, I decided I was going to start shaking him and try to shake him loose. And, uh, I pulled him in a couple times and, but second or third time I pulled him in, he, he put his big melon right in my mouth, man. <laughs> <laughs> he almost knocked my, all my teeth out, my nose broken. Uh, anyway, he popped me good with his head and, and I turned and I looked at the ref and I said, dude, <laughs> fucking guy just headbutted me, you know? And, and just as I was saying that he popped me with a right <laughs> And I'm like, and then I got pissed, and and then I started throwing some bombs there, and uh, and did did well at the end. But holy fuck, he had to wake me up there. <laughs> that was that was one of the best headbutts I've ever uh, seen, let alone you know having it right in my mouth. <laughs> and then later in the game, I don't know if you remember, uh, you had another fight against Vern Smith. Yeah, I, I don't remember that. I think I was still dazed from the headbutt. I was going to say, maybe that had something to do with the headbutt. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, so now this year, your first year pro, uh, and I know you didn't play a lot in the playoffs, but you did. You guys did reach the Calder Cup finals. 
so this you must be thinking hockey's easy. You go Memorial Cup to the Calder Cup. Uh, do you remember much about that run to the Calder Cup? Yeah, it was difficult for me. Because, um, so a little bit backing up a little bit, the coach, the coach in, in Sherbrooke that year, uh, Pierre, Kramer? Pierre Kramer. Pierre Kramer, yeah. So Pierre Kramer had come from Verdun. I played against Verdun for three years, and he was there. And this was his first year in Sherbrooke. So we had a huge rival with Verdun, and I, 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 I beat up a lot of his guys. And I don't, I don't think he liked me very much, you know. Um, uh, so I, I didn't play a whole lot. And also the assistant coach that year in, in Sherbrooke was Jean Hamel, who should have still been playing in the NHL mm-hmm. um, had he not been sucker punched by Louis Slager, yep. mm-hmm. an American tough guy, yep. right, playing mm-hmm. in Quebec. Uh, he he suckered, uh, and him and him and Slager were buddies, I think. Oh wow! Uh, anyway, I think Johnny Amell had something against uh, American guys uh, and tough guys as well. I don't know, but I. I, I had I had terrible I had a terrible feeling with the coaching staff there. I didn't get along, uh, you know. I didn't feel at home, and they they never I never felt like they they were in my corner, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yeah, I, I I only played I think forty eight games or fifty games that year, and then in the playoffs, LaFive uh, I forget his first name, uh, but it was LaFive Sylvain LaFive, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He he came up from junior and kind of took my spot. And, uh, you know, he ended up having a tremendous career and everything. Yeah. He was, a great, he was a great player, but mm-hmm. anyway, I, I, I had to battle with him for a uh, position and, uh, Montreal was real high on him. And so I, I don't know things didn't work out in, in Sherbrooke very well, uh, but the playoff run was great. I mean, it doesn't matter, you know, what your role is in, in that situation. Uh, I actually got in game seven at home. Oh, wow. Um, and I was playing forward. They, they put me in as a forward and, uh, uh, me and Jose Charbonneau were on a line. We almost scored. Uh, we needed to score, but, uh, we end up losing game seven at home. And, uh, that hurts no matter if you're playing yeah, or not. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so going into your second camp, and we now... were up three, one in that series too, I think. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, geez. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. That makes it worse. It does. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, going into your second camp now, uh, going into that camp. Now, I didn't even know that you had gone to that Edmonton camp. So it's really your third NHL training camp. You have a season under your belt in the American league. Is it, you feel a little more comfortable going in there? Not that you're going to go in and win a job, but just because it's your third NHL camp, maybe not so many butterflies, maybe a little more confidence. Yeah. I felt, I felt better going in. Um, I, I actually had a really good camp my first year in Montreal. Um, um, you know, like I told you, I, I fought uh, males, and then I fought uh, Lemieux a couple times, and uh, and then we had a we had a, uh, a a game of champions. It was called. It was put on by the Mulroonies in Ottawa, and it was Edmonton versus Montreal, and it was an exhibition game. And this is during my first camp. I was the only rookie on both teams in the game. Oh, um, yeah. So I had a really good camp. I was the last guy sent down from Montreal um, in my first year, my first camp there. So anyway, my second camp, 
because of the season I had in Sherbrooke, uh, they told me, oh, you, you got you to you gotta pump up a little. You got to gain weight, you know, and, and put some muscle on, whatever. Dude, I, I put on like 25 pounds that summer of, of pure muscle, mm-hmm. and I was working out twice a day. <laughs> I, would, I would sit up uh, at night. I would start about 10 o'clock at night watching TV. I had a, a toaster on a, on a tray next to the couch. I'd buy a loaf of bread and, and two or three tomatoes and a, and a jar of mayonnaise there. And I'd eat, I'd eat the whole loaf of bread of, of toasted tomato sandwiches um, <laughs> until, until it was gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, every night I did that all summer. And uh, I'm telling you what, I, I try to put weight on and uh, I balked up and I actually got too balked up. And uh, then I got to camp and they're like, well, you're, you know, you're a little too big and I'm like, can't win. What the the fuck, you know? (laughs) So anyway, yeah, I I felt good. Uh, I played some exhibition games that year and, uh, yeah, I mean, they they were a tough lineup to crack, you know, they, they, they had, uh, they had all the defensemen they needed. Well, one game you played that year in exhibition was against Pittsburgh and you had a rematch uh, with Kachowski. Uh, was this another marathon bout? No, it was a quick one. Uh, that, that one didn't last very long. Um, that was a weird game, man. Uh, there was lots of fights in that game. Uh, I remember uh, Chelios hitting Lowney, uh, mm-hmm. Troy Lowney, in the head with his helmet, oh, with his own with his own helmet. You know? Oh like, wow! <laughs> oh yeah, it was. Uh, that that was, there was a lot of fights in that game. That was pretty crazy. Uh, while you were with Montreal in those two camps and the two preseasons, uh, whether it was uh, the NHL exhibition or if it was rookie games or anything, did you get to play at all against Quebec? Uh, no. I never played against uh, Quebec. Oh, I think you'd be tailor made for those games. Yeah, yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Yeah. Um, so after after um, the the uh, NHL exhibition games, you played uh, a couple of exhibition games uh, with Sherbrooke, and um, you had three fights in two nights against Adirondack. You fought Chris King and Dale Krentz, I think, in one game, and then the next game you fought Phil DiGaetano. Uh You remember those uh, those two nights, uh, those two games in three nights? Yeah, I, I remember the Chris King fight. Uh, mm-hmm. That that was a good fight, and uh, I think he was uh, at that time he was uh, you know a pretty pretty big uh, prospect for the yeah. for the for the for the Wings there. So mm-hmm. I was uh, you know I was you know glad to fight him, and uh, you know. Uh, I don't remember the other two really, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, I remember the Chris King fight. That was a good one. Now in Sherbrooke this year, uh, Pat Burns was uh, ended up being the head coach. So you talked about that first year in Sherbrooke where you had coaching that you really didn't feel was in your corner. I would imagine it was a complete 180 the second year with Burns there. Well, man, I'd like to tell you it was Joe, but uh, so you know, um, I have mixed feelings mm-hmm. um, about this conversation we're about to have. Okay. Because I, I love Pat, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, during junior, and you know, he 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 found me in midget and and took care of me in junior. And uh, um, but it was weird. Like when I went to Sherbrooke the year before, I had uh, Pierre Kramer and and Johnny Amell as my coaches, and uh, Johnny Amell was a real hard nosed, hard working guy. And because of the way Pierre was playing me and, and treating me, I, I, I kind of shut down a little bit and, uh, I, I cu- copped a little bit of an attitude, which made Johnny Hamel 
not like me very much uh, because he was not an attitude guy. He was a, you know, straightforward, straight shooter. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, he didn't like, especially being a rookie, having an attitude. Right. Um, He didn't like that at all. He was from the old school. Mm -hmm. Uh, When, when Pat signed with Sherbrooke, I started doing backflips, you know, I was like, Oh my God, this is going to be great. You know, like I'm going to have a guy in my corner. Uh, Let's get it going. Right. So I went to camp with a good attitude, you know, uh, ready to go. And, uh, unfortunately I I think, I think, I think Johnny Hamel, he stayed on as assistant with Pat. Mm -hmm. And I think Johnny might've, uh, poisoned the water a little bit with Pat, uh, telling him, uh, you know, uh, his version of what's going on, you know, looking back on it, you know, I was confused, uh, cause Pat wasn't treating me well. Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't know about, uh, 25 games into that season, we were going on a road trip and, uh, I had a roommate, the bus was leaving at two o'clock and I told my roommate, I said, listen, man, uh, we got to go, you know, the bus is leaving at two o'clock. It was like one 30. And my ro- roommate said, uh, the bus is leaving at two 30, dude, we got time, you know? Oh boy. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't think so, man. I think it's leaving at two. And he's like, no, man, it's leaving at two 30. I'm sure of it. So I'm like, okay. So we drove, we had, we were five minutes from the rink where our apartment was. So we drive to the rink, we're pulling in and our team bus is pulling out. Oh shit. So we meet them halfway in the parking lot. I throw the pocket uh, the part, the truck in park. And my, my roommate jumps out. And gets his shit and gets on the bus and I'm right behind him. And he walked by Pat and my roommate was, uh, was, uh, I'm not going to mention his name, okay. but he was, uh, you know, he was a prospect in Montreal. Uh, they were hoping for big things from him. Um, but he walked by Pat and Pat didn't even look at him, didn't say a word to him. And I stepped up on the bus and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? He, he's like, the fucking bus is leaving without you. Next time you're going to drive to the fucking ring. He's just fucking tearing me a, a strip off my back, you know? Right. And I, dude, I'm expecting my roommate to turn around and say, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking back at him. Yeah. And I, I'm expecting him to say, Hey dude, this is my fault. You know, like if, if I was him, I would have come back to the front of the bus and said, listen, man, you know, this is my fault. I'm yeah, dude. He sat down in his seat, didn't say a word. I went back and I passed him and I looked at him. I was like, dude, like what the fuck, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, it wasn't a week later, you know, I, I was, uh, I was sent to, uh, Saginaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't even traded. I was just loaned out to Saginaw, yeah. um, which was Chicago's farm team at the time. Yep. And, uh, it ended up being great, but, but I was devastated, you know, that, that, Pat turned on me. Uh, basically, I felt like you know, and, and I'll tell you some stuff later. Uh, yeah, uh, between me and Pat, that mm-hmm. that, that kind of never sat well with me. Yeah, and, and I want I want everybody to know I love Pat Burns, mm-hmm. and I, I I have full respect for the man. It's just our our paths went different ways, you know. I got gotcha. you. Um, yeah, when you got to Saginaw, now that was your first experience in the IHL. I think it was an older league at the time. Uh, but there were some Chicago prospects on there. Um, I, I don't know if they were on the team at the time. I don't know if they were up, but did you end up playing with Warren Reichel or Dave Manson? Both of them. Yeah. Well, what was it like playing with those guys? Reichel at the time didn't know, didn't know his role yet. Mm-hmm. Like he knew he was tough. 
but he really didn't. He really wasn't uh, into his own yet. Um, yeah. But he was a fun guy. We we hung out. We were roommates. I think we were roommates, uh, or, or we weren't roomies, but we uh, we hung out all the time off away from the rink. And uh, Reichy and I got along great. We we uh, we had a lot of a lot of good times there. Uh, Dave Manson. He he was he was a quiet guy. You know, he didn't say much, and uh, uh, I didn't hang out much with uh, with Manson. Um, but uh, you know, he was uh, he was kind of that quiet guy in the room. Didn't say much. One of the guys you played with is uh, he's a you know, I think he's a little older than both of us, and he's sort of like you know again people uh, everyone has a story about this guy. Uh, what do you remember about playing with Archie Henderson? Oh my god, <laughs> dude, that that guy's a he's a trip, man. Yeah, you know he he was kind of like uh, his clothes were out of style even back then. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> he, he he came did a rink in this full length fox coat you know like fur coat cowboy boots you know like uh silver tip cowboy boots um he was the reg dunlop dude like uh that's awesome oh yeah art and his his big thing he'd be in the middle of a fight he'd be fighting by our bench like you said he was a he was he was old at the time you know yeah. he was probably i don't know 35 36 mm-hmm. and we were all 22 23 you know and He'd look over at the bench right in the middle of the fight. Not bad for an old guy, eh, boys? <laughs> He'd be right in the middle of the fight, yeah, talking to our bench, uh, laughing it up, man. He was a, he was a, he was unreal. Like you say, you had you had a good time in Saginaw. You played well. Um, do you think because Salt Lake is in it was in the IHL, maybe they reached out to Montreal about trading for you? How did that trade go down? Well, I'm, I'm gonna tell you a quick story about Saginaw, and then I'll and then I'll tell you how that trade happened. Oh, um, go right ahead. Tell me as many <laughs> Saginaw stories as you want, buddy. Dennis Derogier is a beauty, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he was a coach in Saginaw at the time. He's an old tough guy, IHL tough guy. Anyway, my my first or second game in Saginaw. I think my first game, I got a goal and assist um, somehow. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, my second game, we're at home. We're losing like 3 nothing in the first period. I got the puck in front of the net, and I, I, I go to make a move on a guy before I passed it, and the guy tips it off my stick, gets shot on net. Eddie Belfour was our goalie. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, Eddie saved my ass. <laughs> anyway, we get in the locker room. Dennis comes in just losing it. He's yelling at everybody and he's like, you know, and he looks at me and he says, fuck you, Hayward. <laughs> he said, uh, you're not here for your fucking hands unless they're wheeling in someone's face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, best, best coaches comment ever, man. Uh, I think all the guys in the locker room were, were had their heads down in towel, you know, like, pissing their pants laughing when he said that <laughs> anyway he had some great one-liners like that but uh that was my introduction to uh to dennis derogier and the saginaw hawk so yeah i got to saginaw and i i i, I was feeling uh relieved to be playing every night and and getting a regular shift and so I was, I was feeling good playing good so we ended up going to uh denver and denver was uh the new york rangers farm team at the time yep and they had a whole slew of tough guys. Mm-hmm. This was right before the uh, 88 Olympics started. So a lot of the GMs were flying to Calgary to watch the Olympics. And they all decided 
for some reason to stop in Denver and watch this IHL game to see to see some, you know, to scout. Uh, anyway, that game, that particular game, I fought uh, Rudy Postcheck twice, mm-hmm. and in the second fight, I I, I kind of knocked him down to his knees, and then and then I fought um, Mark Tenorti. Oh wow! Uh, okay, and our fight started at the red line. It went all the way behind the net and back up to the other red line. Like we, we fought for, it was a, it was a marathon and it, it turned out well, whatever. And, yeah. uh, anyway, my third fight, I was out of the game and there was 10 minutes left in the third period or whatever. So I go in the locker room, I'm getting showered and I'm in the shower and I hear somebody behind me and he's like, Hey, you know, and I turn around and it's the, uh, GM, uh, Bob Pulford, uh, from the, from the Hawk. And he said, uh, he asked me, you know, how I was liking it and everything. And, uh, he said, you know, it was a great game tonight and good fights, whatever. And, uh, he said, Rick, he said, um, I'm going to make a trade for you by the end of the week. And, uh, I said, all right, man, Mm -hmm. I'm excited. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be coming here. I, I love it, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was it. He left. So we went, we finished the road trip went back to Saginaw, my phone rang and I pick it up and, uh, it was Andre Boudria, the, uh, GM of Montreal. He said, so Rick, uh, we, we made a trade for you. I'm like, yeah. And he said, uh, I'm, I'm expecting Chicago. Right. He said, yeah. He said, Calgary, uh, you know, flames, they, uh, they, they traded for you and you got to report to uh, Salt Lake city. <laughs> and I'm like, Calgary, you know, <laughs> I I never talked to Calgary. I I never thought about Calgary, you know, uh, but apparently they were at that game also. Okay. And saw me fight, uh, you know, Rudy and, uh, and Mark and, uh, and they liked, uh, they, they needed a little extra punch in their, in their system there. So uh, there I go. I, I, I got traded to Calgary. When you get to Salt Lake, you play with one of the all time heavyweights ever in professional hockey legend. Everybody knows Stu Grimson. Yeah. Uh, what What do you remember about playing with uh, now author Stu Grimson? Yeah, yeah, Stewie is amazing. He, uh, you know, I'm so proud of him for what he's done after hockey here. You know, from from where he came from, uh, you know, in his life to where he is now. Uh, you know, the guy, the guy's a he's a tremendous human being. But uh, um, so Stu was hurt when I got to Salt Lake city. So after I, I didn't meet Stewie until after the first game I played. Okay. And I was sitting in the locker room after the game and this guy comes in, you know, six, six, you know, big dude. Yeah. And he's, he's dressed like a movie star. You know, he's got big wing tip shoes on and beautiful suit and everything. He comes in, he comes over to me and I think I fought Al tour that game. He comes over and shook my hand. He's like, good fight, you know, and, and good game. Welcome to Salt Lake city. We're glad to have you. What, what not? And he walked away and I was sitting next to a guy named Chris Biotti, who was a Harvard graduate. And, uh, I said to Biotti, I said, is that a fucking coach or a scout? I said, who is that? <laughs> and he said, dude, that's the grim reaper, man. Mm-hmm. That's Stu Grimson. And yep. I'm like, Oh yeah, great. Big guy. You know, <laughs> I had no idea yeah. uh, what he was like or what he, so then, uh, I believe that he had a knee injury at the time, but he, 
he started skating with us and then, uh, he got back to playing and, uh, yeah, yeah. Stewie was a, uh, Stewie was a wing nut, man. He, uh, <laughs> he, he took, he took it to a different level, uh, you know, numerous times and, uh, he was just fun to watch. <laughs> you know, yeah, he, he's great to have in your corner. I'll tell you that. Oh, definitely. And and I've I've uh, I've posted this on social media a bunch of times. Uh, I think Stu has the best hockey nickname ever. And as far as professional athletes go, uh, I think it's it's one of my two favorites. And certainly, uh, the Grim Reaper is certainly fitting for him. And you know, like Stu was always a tough guy, but watching him throughout his career. That he's almost like the Nolan Ryan of hockey enforcers where every year he just seemed to be more and more devastating. And it's like, this guy's not slowing down at all. And, well, uh, you know, like I, there was certain points where I'm just like, I don't know, man, I know it'd be my job, but I, I, I'd almost want to be like, yeah, I think my hand is sore tonight or something. Cause there were times where he would just kill guys. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, he was always in tremendous shape, you know, yeah. and he, he took everything. Uh, he took his job very seriously. So, you know, uh, like, I don't want to say too much about, about Stu, you know, personally. Yeah, no, uh, no, don't. But, he, he, you know, he came, he came, you know, I mean, he, he'll tell you himself, yeah. you know, his, his story. And I, I shouldn't tell it for him, but, yeah. uh, you know, he had trouble as a youngster controlling mm-hmm. his temper and whatnot. And, um, you know, he, uh, at the time when I met him, he was a, he was a born again Christian and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, thank God, you know what I mean? Thank God he, he was a born again Christian. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and he quit, he quit drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember one night we all went out for a team meal and, uh, him and Paul Baxter got into some wine. Uh, Paul Baxter was our coach mm-hmm. and, uh, they got it, they got into some wine and, I guess Stewie uh, thought it was okay to have some wine, but because he wasn't drinking anymore, he got, he got a little drunk Yeah, and we got back to the hotel and we were all in the hallway messing around. And this, this little forward of ours, uh, Peter Lappin, I think it was his rookie year, but he was, uh, he was just a small guy, but uh, him and Stewie were messing around and, and Stewie was like a black belt in jujitsu or karate or something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Stewie like was drunk and he kicked Lappin, uh, like a front kick and he hit him right. He kicked him right in the face and Lappin actually rolled over backwards. Like he fell back and, and <laughs> did a flip and Stewie's like, Oh my God, I'm sorry, dude. Like, <laughs> like he was dangerous. Yeah. He didn't know his own strength. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, uh, thank God he didn't drink, man. That, that guy was, a uh, he, he, He's unique, Stu, yeah. man. He's a, he's amazing, uh, amazing human being, that guy. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, because I reached out to Stu and I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you what he said going into the next season, but Stu was nice enough to help me. So, uh, and I'm sure people listening to this podcast, everyone's a fan of Stu Grimson, but in case you don't know, Stu Grimson wrote a book called the Grim Reaper, the life and career of a reluctant warrior. I read it. It's an amazing book. Please go get your copy as well. So, how was it like playing for Paul Baxter? Uh, so Baxi, Baxi was Baxi was the best coach that I played for team wise. I felt like he's the reason. He's one of the reasons, or the main reason, why we won the the, the Turner Cup that year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we did. We practiced uh, his system that he 
stuck by um, made us tough to play against. You know what I mean? Yeah. As a team, it made us tough to play against. Baxi and I personally uh, had some issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, I was a lot like Baxi was when he played. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I, uh, I did my share of, uh, of going out and uh, partying and Baxi was a born again Christian as well at the time. So Baxi and I didn't see eye to eye all the time on, on everything. I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, my very first day in Salt Lake city, I'll tell you, Joe, I've had the worst luck with talking to coaches. I should have, I should have shut up and never talked to a coach. (laughs) When coaches come in a room, I should have ran and hid in the shower. Uh, so anyway, I, I came from Saginaw where Dennis DeRoger was a total player's coach. Like this guy was like, he was like one of the guys, right? Mm-hmm. You could tell him anything, sit down with them, have a beer, whatever. So I, I go into Salt Lake and I'm sitting there after, pra- after, I don't know, it's probably my third, fourth practice, something like that. The night before our captain had a party, uh, Rich Turnamaz had a party at his house and I got there and everybody, everybody's doing shots with me. And I ended up waking up at three in the morning in Cherno's bathroom with my head under the sink. <laughs> and I, I went to get up and I banged my head on a pipe and I'm like, what the hell is going on? I, I, I look around, I'm in the bathroom. I, they had covered me up, you know, and, uh, I, I, I passed out in the bathroom anyway. I go to practice the next day and I worked as hard as I could hung over. But anyway, I'm sitting there after, after a shower and uh, waiting for whoever to come out of the, to get ready to go home. And Baxi comes in and sits down. This is the first time I've had a conversation with the man. Mm-hmm. I didn't know him from Adam. I didn't know anything about him. Anyway, he's like, so Rick, uh, you know, you, you know, how you liking it here? You get apartment. And I, I said, yeah, everything's great. Everything's good. And he's like, you know, are you getting along with the guys on the team? I said, buddy, I said, they're, they're, they're awesome. You know, I, I said, we had a, you know, a little shindig last night at Cherno's house, had a rough night there, you know, like whatever. And I, I look up and Brian Patafi, our trainer is standing straight in front of me, but Paul couldn't see him. And he's like giving me the, 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 the slit across the throat. Yeah. Sign, cut, right? it, cut it. <laughs> he's like, don't say anymore, yeah. you know? <laughs> and I'm like halfway through a sentence and I'm like, Oh yeah, everything's good. You know? <laughs> oh dude. I think, I think, I think I might've put the nail in the coffin and the first conversation I had with Paul Baxter. Yeah. As far as me and Paul, we had, uh, we had our differences. He was a great team coach and he, he, uh, he coached our team perfectly that year mm-hmm. and, uh, did a fantastic job. And Bobby Francis was our assistant. He was another fantastic guy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, Baxi and I, we, we didn't always see eye to eye, but I have lots of respect for his coaching ability. There were two guys that you fought that year. One of the things about the IHL, it seemed like, uh, you know, we talked about Archie Henderson. It just kind of, whether they were just starting out or they were towards the end of their career, you have these legendary characters that were enforcers. And uh, two guys you fought that year. One guy was Mitch Wilson. He was with Muskegon. And another guy was Bob the Hammer Fleming, who was with Flint at the time. Do you remember fighting those two guys? Yeah, man. Goddamn Bob the Hammer Fleming. Left-hander again, dude. Mm -hmm. After that fight, 
I decided I'm going to learn how to throw lefts um, <laughs> because uh, uh, it wasn't my best fight. Um, I remember this is the first fight, Joe, I've ever been in mm-hmm. that I felt like I was out of control. You know, yeah. I usually controlled my fights um, and I was. Uh, I, so I was a kind of a defensive fighter. I would, I would hang on to guys and tie. I, I was like Kelly chase, right? Mm-hmm. We had the same style. We would wrap guys up and, and tire them out. And then, and then we start picking our shots. Right. Mm-hmm. This fight, I, I was totally out of control. Like there was punches coming from everywhere. I, I didn't know where they're. And I'm thinking, this is an old man. I'm fighting <laughs> an old man. And he's, and he's swatting me around the rink here. What the hell's going on? <laughs> But I've always wanted to talk to Bob Fleming, man. I've always wanted to talk to this guy and tell him, hey, man, you, you taught me a good lesson that night, and I appreciate it, and, uh, you know, thank you. But uh, never, I never got to talk to him. I, so if he ever listens to this, broad, this podcast, I, I want to thank you. <laughs> thanks, for the, uh, <laughs> thanks for the lesson. You yeah, he taught yeah. a few guys lessons, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, it was, uh, it was crazy. But I'll tell you what, from that moment on, I started, I started working – on, uh, uh, I, I heard during, uh, Dean, uh, UN talk about, uh, the technique in fighting mm-hmm. and, um, uh, um, fighting is, is, is real technical. Uh, some guys just grab and, and throw big bombs and, mm-hmm. you know, get it going. Um, I wasn't big enough to, to throw bombs with a guy like Stu Grimson. Right. So yeah. I had to find a way to tie guys up, tire them out and then pound on them. Right. Yeah. So, uh, um, Bob taught me a lesson there and, and, uh, he sent me on my way to, uh, to figuring out how to throw some powerful lefts. So thanks again to Bob. (laughs) (laughs) Now Bob is, you know, pretty imposing guy. And now Mitch Wilson, he's a smaller guy, but apparently throws real hard. He, He could take a lot of punishment. Do you remember fighting Mitch? Yeah, I, I, I didn't really fight him. Um, yeah. It was a it was a weird one. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll send you the tape of that. I think I got it on on on, on video here. I'll, I'll send that with all the other ones I'm going to send oh. you. But I think I want to drive to Ottawa when we're done and pick this stuff up. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Um, I'll, I'll try to with my uh, my limited knowledge on computers here. I'll try to get you some stuff uh, on, uh, for you to enjoy there. Yeah. But um, yeah, Mitch. Uh, um, we we fought in in Muskegon, and uh, it was it wasn't a very good fight. It was a short one. Uh, I think one of us slipped or something. And then uh, I, tr- I tried to fight him when we a, a year or two later when I was in uh, when I was in Phoenix, and uh, that fight went nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't get together. We didn't we didn't get to fight. So uh, yeah, there, I, I I fought Mitch twice, but the second time we didn't fight, and the first time it wasn't uh, it wasn't uh, a, a stand up bout like. Uh, like usual, you know, like, but, uh, yeah, the, the Bob Fleming fight. Thanks for reminding me of that one. <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> I, I don't know how active he is. He might be, I think he's on Facebook. Maybe is uh, that right? I think send him a message. See if he replies. Yeah, I will. I'm going to reach out <laughs> to him. That's great. So your last year, junior, you're in the Memorial cup, a first year in Sherbrooke, you're in the Calder cup. Now you're in Salt Lake. You're in the Turner Cup. This hockey stuff is easy. You're just in the championship every year. Well, you know what, dude? I, I, I looking back, I'm like, yeah, I was like, you know, who doesn't play till June? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> if you're not playing in, in uh, you know, 
in the end of May and June, you're, 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 you're awful, you know? Yeah. So, uh, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I, uh, I had it, I had it nice there for, for a couple of years in a row. And, uh, when you guys went to the Turner cup, uh, Salt Lake actually had won the Turner cup the year before. So you guys were, you weren't there, but the team was the defending champions. So what do you remember about that Turner cup run? Because you definitely had an impact on this one, uh, more so than you did in, uh, Sherbrooke and the Calder cup run. Yeah, I played quite a bit. Um, I, you know, I was, I was a regular in Salt Lake. I was, uh, you know, fourth, fifth guy, uh, on defense and, uh, you know, played the, played the penalty kill, you know, pretty regular. And, uh, I, 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 I love my time in Salt Lake. Uh, at that time in my career, I was, I was a little bit, a little bit nuts. So with, uh, with referees and whatnot, and I had some, I had some control issues there and, uh, I, that I kind of regret that because I, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I think it, um, it hurt me. Uh, it obviously hurt me, uh, more than helped. Uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, I don't, I don't know. I was just, uh, kind of, uh, out of control there a little bit. I felt, but mm-hmm. that, that Turner cup run was awesome. Like uh, at some point during that season, our team went 15 straight without a loss. And that was a, uh, that was a professional, uh, record at the time. Uh, we had a couple of, uh, overtime wins there. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we had a special team, uh, in Salt Lake and the playoffs, it was great. I don't know if it was game. I think we, I think we won in six against Flint. I think we won six in in game six. And I think in game five or game four, I, I lined up against, uh, Chris McSorley, uh, to this day, I don't know if he did it on purpose or on accident, but he, he lifted, he went to like lift my stick. It, it looked like, and he poked me right in the eye with his stick. Oh shit. And, um, so it knocked me out of the, out of the finals. I didn't play. Um, I actually thought I was blind. I went down and I was holding my eye and I, I moved my hand and I opened my eye and all I could see was like a red wall. Oh, I, all I could see was red. And I, I said, oh man, I think my eye is fucking gone, you know? Uh, yeah. So that ended my, uh, that ended my, my season. Uh, but there was only a, I think, I think that was game four in Flint. And then, uh, and then we, we won in game six, I think. I was going to say, hopefully you were, uh, you were able to celebrate. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. We celebrated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have enough time to talk about celebration. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. We had, uh, we had a lot of fun. Salt Lake in, in, in the end of May is absolutely beautiful. Like you can, uh, you can ski in the mountains and play golf you know, the same day, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. in the Valley. So we had a, a terrific week after the uh, cup was over there. Yeah. So going into, uh, next season now, it's, uh, your first training camp with Calgary. Uh, how, how did it different from the camps with Montreal? Uh, was it a little, not relaxed because obviously everyone's fighting for jobs, but I always kind of get the impression Montreal is very, buttoned up and by the book and professional. And, uh, I wonder, was Calgary the same way or, or, or could you be yourself a little bit more? Yeah. Um, well in Montreal, uh, the coach had told us no, no fighting during camp. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, it was, it, I, and then I ended up fighting Lemieux two times and mm-hmm. he, he yelled at everybody the next day. He said, I said no fighting, you know? And, uh, anyway, um, yeah, in Calgary, Terry Crisp was a coach mm-hmm. and Crispy was a, a great guy, you know, yeah. like very personable. And, uh, he would, you know, talk to you whenever he's seen you say, hi, good morning, whatever. And, uh, he was a, he was a great guy, but, uh, yeah, I, I felt, I felt good in Calgary. 
I, I got married that summer. Okay. Um, so I just got back from my honeymoon. I had to go to the rookie camp in Calgary. Mm-hmm. So I went to this rookie camp and, uh, I hadn't started working out for the summer yet. Uh, I just got, like I said, I just got off my honeymoon and we got tested on bike. We had the Wingate test and we had the uh, VO2 test. And my scores were horrendous. I think it was Jamie Hislop was the, uh, maybe, I think Jamie might've been the, the physical fitness guy there in Calgary at the time. He pulled me on aside and he said, Rick, man, he said, here you go. He gave me a program. He's like, get on this fucking program and get going. You know, like, uh, I worked my butt off for the, the rest of the summer and I improved my scores like crazy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when I got to camp, I, I retested at the main camp. And, uh, and that was like the big talk, how, how much my scores had gone up. So I think that was, uh, you know, kind of a blessing, uh, in disguise when it first happened. Sounds like yeah. it. Yeah. Just saying I had, a, I had a, I had a good feeling in, in Calgary. I like Calgary. Uh, you ran into Shinterla a couple of times in training camp that year, I imagine. Yeah. We, uh, yeah, we fought once, okay. uh, and then, uh, Charles and I fought in a practice a, a couple months later. <laughs> oh. Yeah, we had a. I think we were both hung over, and uh, we 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 had a little disagreement there during practice, and and had a good uh, a good tilt. So yeah, but we're we're good friends anyway. Uh, before you went down to Salt Lake, you did get into at least one exhibition game. I know that you played uh, L.A. and you had a fight with Marty and McSorley. Do you remember that fight? Oh yeah, I guess uh, we had a little line a little line brawl going on. It was right in front of Calgary's bench. I looked over and, and Marty had grabbed Stefan Matteau mm-hmm. and, uh, Stefan was like my little brother, you know, like he, he came into, he was a 16 year old when we, when we went to Memorial cup in, mm-hmm. in Hull, I went over and I, I grabbed Marty and, uh, I said, you're, I said, leave, leave him alone. And I said, I'll go, you know, like mm-hmm. anyway, we and Marty, we started fighting there and I had this Jersey on, it was way too big for me. And, uh, we had tie downs back then. Mm-hmm. And these jerseys weren't actual, they, they weren't actually the, the flames Jersey. They were like a, they were like a, a training camp Jersey. Okay. And they were mesh. Anyway, Marty got the Jersey and pulled it over my head. I was looking through the mesh holes <laughs> and I continued to punch when he was holding onto my Jersey, kind of throwing me around a little bit. I, I was probably 190 pounds and he was 240. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Uh, he big strong farm boy uh anyway uh i was punching away and and i backed up to the bench and uh uh i think it was colin patterson maybe i forget who it was anyway i i yelled at him i said undo my jersey you know so Mm -hmm. they they pulled the uh velcro and and undid my jersey for me and i slipped out of my jersey and uh and ended the fight with no jersey on but uh yeah that, that was a that was a pretty good fight with marty i guess uh, a week after you fought Marty, you're in. You're now with Salt Lake. That you had the rematch. Or, well, you, maybe not a rematch. First, it wasn't a fight, but you fought his brother Chris. Uh, did this have everything to do with him trying to take your eye out? Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I didn't. I, I, like I said, I don't know if that was. Uh, I don't know if that was intentional or not. I, yeah. I, I, I would hope not. Yeah. Um, when I was in LA, when I got called up to LA, I talked to Marty a bit about Chris mm-hmm. and Marty's afraid of Chris, right? <laughs> uh, like Chris is absolutely bonkers. He's nuts. Yeah. And, uh, 
you know, his career, I mean, he's done some crazy shit, right? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, no, we were in Indianapolis and, uh, we had, a, again, we had a bench or a, a line brawl going. The linesman had grabbed me and pulled me out of this pile up and he was trying to get me in the penalty box and the fight was going on down at the other end. And, uh, I was like, dude, let me go. You know, like uh, guys are getting outmanned. Like we, they got an extra guy. Let me go. Like. He's like, no, I can't let you go. I'm putting you in the box. And I said, bud. So then Chris noticed that I was down there. So now Chris starts skating toward us. And I told the linesman, I said, listen, bud, you got to let me go. I said, McSorley's on his way over here and he's going to do something stupid. I said, let me go. And uh, the linesman's like, no, you got to get in the box. And I said, bud, I'm not getting in the box. Dude, I hit this linesman with my elbow like a, like a, like a, forearm shiver right mm-hmm. and this guy melted down front of me he i knocked him out oh I, I hit him right in the jaw knocked this linesman out he slid down the front of me and and then chris got there and and we fought and uh uh put so i i just want to say i put some stitches in his forehead for him <laughs> i i, I want to get that one in there <laughs> did uh, you get suspended but, Oh yeah, dude. I got six games mm-hmm. and, uh, some fines and whatnot, but, uh, yeah, that poor linesman, I, I don't know his name or I would send him a card, but, uh, <laughs> that poor guy, I, I told him five times to let me go and he just wouldn't let me go. And then Chris was coming as I, I was like, okay, panic mode. So yep. boom, gotta, made the mistake. You gotta do what you gotta do, right? You gotta do. Yep. Uh, you fought Mark Jansen's that year. I'm a huge Mark Jansen's fan and uh, I think he's, even with his resume, his toughness sometimes gets overlooked. Uh, do you remember fighting him? He would have been in Denver at the time. Oh yeah, Jan's a great guy. He, yeah, he's a great he's a great human being. Uh, uh, yeah, we had a good fight. Um, uh, I don't remember it being uh, one side or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was just one of those good uh, good fights. Um, uh, unfortunately, he fought Marty Samard uh, either that game or later in the season. Mm-hmm. And Simmer hit him with a bomb. Uh, he, he knocked him out. Yeah. But, I saw that. I saw that fight. Yeah. Did you see that? Did you see? Uh, yeah, that was unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, so, so Jance, uh, you know, our trainer went out. Their trainer didn't have a, uh, you know, those little tools they have to, to get your teeth apart when your jaw locks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Jance, Jance had bit his tongue. Yeah. And his jaw was locked. And so he was drowning on his own blood. Yeah. And our trainer ended up you know, wheeling his teeth open with this, with this, uh, tool mm-hmm. and he pulled on it, busted his tooth off and drained the blood out of his mouth. Like, uh, he saved his life. Yeah. Um, yeah. but anyway, Jance was in the, uh, the story I'm getting to Jance was in the hospital in Salt Lake and couldn't go back to Denver with the team for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. I went and visited Jance every day at the hospital, uh, you know, uh, just cause I had that, that respect for him. And, uh, I knew he was away from home and all his teammates were not there and stuff. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, I made it, I made it a point to go see him at the hospital there and, and uh, you know, he, he's just a great guy. Yeah. Um, so one of my favorite parts about doing this, uh, show is when I reach out to your former teammates and, uh, I mentioned last the season we just discussed that I was going to bring up Stu again. So when I and when I reached out to Stu and I said, uh, "Give me, give me something funny I could bring up to Rick," and he said, uh, 
ask him about discovering college puke Mike Peluso. He said it's a uh, great story. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I I I, I wish I remembered more about that story. Um, <laughs> Was it something again, I, uh, I, when you played Indianapolis? Maybe you and Mike didn't see eye to eye. Yeah, we we fought. I, I, I remember fighting him, and uh, maybe we were making fun of him because of his hair or something, <laughs> and uh, saying he was a college puke, and uh, he ended up being uh, tougher than I imagined. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was a left-hander, too. I, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think the, the, the left-handed uh, nemesis uh, keeps coming back here, you know? <laughs> Well, but yeah, he was, he was, uh, he was a tough man. We had, we had a couple of good ones. I think, uh, me and Palouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We well, ended up being good friends too. We, we met each other at the bar and had a few beers and, uh, you know, never talked about the fights, yeah. you know? <laughs> well, uh, Stu did want me to say hello. Uh, hello to you as did everybody else that I reached out to everyone all said, say hello. So Stu did say hello. Okay, great. And, um, so what's it like now? This, uh, you, playoffs you didn't go to the finals this year was that weird yeah yeah we uh, we lost in uh i think we lost in the uh second round that year um and i was like lost i didn't know what to do you know yeah <laughs> um you're going into the next year now uh you go in the training camp with calgary so this is the second time in only a few years that you're going into an nhl training camp with a defending champion uh, so how did the Calgary camp differ from the Montreal camp when they won the cup? It didn't. Yeah. Um, it was impossible to make that team. Mm-hmm. They were deep. They were tough. You know, they had Hunter and, uh, Poplinski and, you know, big fencemen. All their defensemen were huge. Dana Merzen. And, yeah. you know, it was like a big red wall. You know what I mean? You know, these first couple of years for me, I, I'm, I'm like beating my head against the wall with these teams I'm trying to make, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah just the way things worked out, you know, getting, mm-hmm. uh, getting traded to getting drafted and then traded and, and, uh, you're, you're with the best teams in the NHL. It's tough to, tough to crack the lineup. Yeah. Well, you went to Salt Lake. You're very active. You led the league in penalty minutes, 419 penalty minutes. Um, a couple of the guys you fought down there. Uh, do you remember fighting Dave Richter, who would have been in Peoria at the time? Yep, yep. He was he was at the end of his career, and uh, you know uh, I don't know how interested he was, but uh, we had a good bout there. He was a, he was a he was a good uh, good tough guy, you know, like yeah, great tough guy. Yeah. Uh, in his day, mm-hmm. like we talked about, you know, you talked about with Denver and and. Uh, you know, Colorado, Denver Rangers always had tough players. Uh, this year you had a two fight game against Flint. You fought Joe Patterson and, uh, you didn't have enough. So then you fought Dennis Vial. You remember that game where you fought both those guys? Yeah. Um, I remember the Vial fight quite, quite He's got a, he's got a big old target. So, yep. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> he, he was fun to fight because he, he, no matter where you were punching, you were hitting something, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Dennis was a tough guy. Uh, the Patterson fight, I don't really remember, uh, but I, do, I I remember the Vial fight. That was a good one. Uh, in the span of 11 days, you fought Kerry Clark twice, who was with Phoenix. Uh, you remember yeah. fighting Sharky? Yeah, I love Sharky. Yeah. Uh, uh, I've got I've got so many stories about about Sharky. Mm-hmm. Uh, we fought, uh, I don't even know how many times we fought. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed like every time I lined up against him, you know, he'd, Hey, Hazy, how's it going? Uh, good. Jerky, how are you? 
good. Are you ready to go? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Every every friggin' time we lined up, I, I'm like, oh yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> but uh, I, I tell you, uh, I tell you a funny story about Sharky. Um, I was in. Uh, he was in Orlando. I don't even know what year this was. Uh, I think I was with. Uh, I think I was with uh, Cleveland at the time. Anyway, I was I was out night before the game. I was out uh, with a friend of mine. Uh, we were out having a couple beers or whatever, and uh, curfew came around. And I said, "Ah, uh, I said I'm, I'm going to stay out tonight. I don't, I don't, I don't know." I bro- so I broke curfew anyway. About two in the morning, I I walk out of the bar and uh, I go over to the hot dog vendor, and I I look down and Sharky's sitting on the on the ground behind the hot dog vendor, you know, with a, with a date. And I'm like, Sharky, I said, <laughs> you're breaking curfew. What the hell are you doing, man? He's like, so are you. <laughs> and I said, yes, sir. And, uh, anyway, he shook his hand. He shook my hand and we, uh, you know, we said a few things, whatever. I grabbed my hot dog and, uh, you know, we start walking. I start walking with this friend of mine and I, I said, uh, I said, "Hey, make sure and be at the game early tomorrow. Don't don't miss the uh, don't miss the beginning of the game." And they're they're like, "Why?" And I said, "Because I'm going to fight that guy." <laughs> and and they're like, "Are you kidding me? You guys are you guys act like you're buddies." Mm-hmm. I said, "We are buddies, but I said I don't know why, but we're going to fight tomorrow night. I guarantee you, and don't miss it." <laughs> and sure enough, first shift, we line up. Oh, Hazy, you ready to go? <laughs> yes, sir. Let's go. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's the beauty of the role. You know, as long as there's a respect there, oh. you know, you do your job and that's it. Then you can have hot dogs after while you're breaking curfew. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I got loads of respect for Sharky. He did it. He did a hell of a job for a long time and uh, took care of everybody. Uh, you know, he's, he's that guy that uh, I never played with Sharky, but mm-hmm. everybody... All, all, all the mutual friends that we have, they're like, uh, you know, that guy picked the biggest guy and went first. He was the first one over the wall. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, he's definitely the guy you want in your foxhole, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Another guy you fought that year, uh, he hadn't quite come into his own yet, but I, I remembered him from his time with the Islanders. I was a big fan of his, and like I had said, I love the smaller guys that play big. I don't know if you remember, you fought Bob Basson, who was with Indianapolis at the time. Do you remember fighting him? Yeah, I, I, I remember fighting him. I actually played with him in Germany yep. uh, mm-hmm. my, my last year uh, yep. that I played. Uh, yeah, Bobby was a tough little guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was like the Darcy Lowen, right? Yeah. Like that type of player. Yeah. Uh, Mark Somier, tough little guy. Like he wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't, uh, definitely wasn't uh, a heavyweight, but he was, he was, you know, always there, uh, you know, hard nose grinder, tough guy, man. That was, I remember the fight. Uh, As we come to a close of your Salt Lake career, you should know that uh, your fifth all time in penalty minutes uh, in Salt Lake history at 856 and 147 games. Uh, first, as you might imagine, is uh, Rich Chernomaz, who had an even thousand penalty minutes, but in way more games than you. He played 442, so your average per game dwarfs him. Wow. Yeah. Great. I'm moving up the ladder. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so um, I, had a, I had a lot of I had a lot of crazy dumb penalties in Salt Lake City. Uh, <laughs> like I said, I was out of I was out of out of control a little bit there, and uh, 
um, yeah, but yeah, looking back at man, it, it was all fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, how'd you end up signing with LA? Now, now, did you sign with LA or did you sign with Phoenix first? No, uh, um, I, I got a new agent. Uh, uh, his name was, I think, Mark Peroni. My contract was up with Calgary, mm-hmm. and uh, so I signed with LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I signed with the Kings uh, straight up, you know, uh, regular contract yeah. and a two two way contract, mm-hmm. and and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was exciting, you know. Do you think, I always wonder, you know, because the Kings had their foreign team in Phoenix and obviously you're in Salt Lake. I always wonder if when their scouts are there watching the games, you are always active against Phoenix. Uh, when, you, when you talk to these teams or your agent talks to these teams, does that ever come up? Just talk about how you played against their team, that they want you to bring that to, to their team? You know, after, what's this, my fourth year, fifth year? Yeah, like- something like that, yeah. Everybody knows what your job is, you know. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows what, what they want from you um what they're expecting uh so i i don't i don't think that i i think they're more i think at that point they're they're more you know how are you going to fit into their locker room mm-hmm. you know yeah. how are you going to fit into their system their locker room right uh, uh uh is what i what i believe is uh, a team's looking for you know are are you are you are you a cancer are you uh yeah a good guy do the guys like you mm-hmm. you know and hockey's a small world i mean yeah when GM sign guys, they, they ask other players, you know, what's this guy like? Did you like him? Is he, is he a team guy? Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, you can't hide in hockey. Uh, right. you know, if you're, uh, if you're not, uh, a good teammate, you know, people are going to know that. So, um, yeah, I, and at that time LA had uh, new Haven and Phoenix as, yes. mm-hmm. as, uh, so I think LA was signing a lot of guys at that time to fill both of those teams. Right. Um, so they, they had, uh, basically three hockey teams, uh, that they were filling up spots for. And, uh, yeah. You, um, you led Phoenix a penalty minutes. You had 369 and it just goes to show the craziness of the IHL at the time. Your 369 penalty minutes ranked seventh. That means six yeah. guys had more minutes than you. <laughs> um, and it just, and you look at the team you had, you had Kevin McDonald, you had John Van Kessel, Graham Stanley, Daryl Williams, uh, Boom Boom Bouchard, Steve Jakes, uh, Somier was there. So uh, sounds like a pretty interesting cast of characters there. Yeah, we had a good, tough team. Uh, we had a lot of fun there. Goose uh, Goslin was our, our, our goaltender. He, he was an absolutely terrific guy. Yeah. Um, Stevie Graves and Chris Contos. You know, we had we had a, a, a Johnny Van Kessel was a, terrific tough guy uh you know he was tougher than he was one of those guys like like jansen's kind of under the radar but man when when he uh when he let guys up man he had some laser beam punches and long arms and he was a tough dude but he didn't know how tough he was uh that's the problem with johnny he never believed in himself uh but he could have been uh uh, he could have been a force uh you know uh he was tough man uh, and and let it be known that, like I said, you had 369 penalty minutes. You also had nine goals, which I think was your uh, career high for a season in only 60 games. So had you played 80 games, you're looking at double digits. <laughs> well, I, t- I tell you, I, you know, when I was uh, um, uh, Backst- uh, Backstrom, uh, Ralph Backstrom was our coach there, mm-hmm. and Gary Unger was our assistant. These guys 
they were really old school, laid back, weren't big on the X's and O's, go out and have fun and play, right? And I don't know if that was good or bad for our team, but it was definitely good for me. I ended up playing forward part of that season. Uh, when I got called up to L.A., I was playing forward at the time. Mm-hmm. And then I played forward when I went to L.A. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I uh, yeah, I, I had a fun season that year, a great season. And uh, we had a great cast of characters there. And uh, I think I think I played better when people weren't on me so much about uh, X's and O's and all that. And just have fun and do your thing, you know. So. Yeah. Uh, one of your teammates from that year was Steve Jakes. I reached out to him, asked him what he remembered. And uh, he said, one of my first fights as a rookie, I knocked out Steve Martinson in San Diego in front of our bench. I got escorted off the ice and I had to help Marty off the ice because he had also broken his ankle from the fall. Rick was on the ice and was so pumped up that he started taunting all their guys about it. The crowd was going crazy from all the taunting, so they kicked Hazy off the ice too. I heard all the commotion, so I came out of the dressing room to see what was going on, and Hazy was coming toward me and gave me a big hug around the neck, and we walked back to the dress and he walked back to the dressing room with me. It was like a proud father would do to his son after he did something really good. Since I looked up to him so much, that's exactly the feeling he gave me. I felt yeah. ten I felt ten feet tall. He was a great guy, a great teammate, and a great role model as an intimidator. He wasn't just a tough guy, he was an intimidator. He scared the crap out of the other team because he was capable of doing some dangerous things. Wow. Yeah. Jake C <laughs> uh, was a, a fine young man. Uh um and uh, you know you know, when it when it all comes down to it, uh Joe, you know, um I, 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 you know, hockey players, uh, I, I imagine all athletes look back at their career and no matter what they did, um, no matter if they played in the NHL for 500 games or they played in the IHL for 500 games, um, I, I think we all have regrets and we all have our, our we're, we're, if I would have done this, I would have been better off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, but at the end of the day, man, if I, you know, that means so much to me to hear Jakesy say stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, uh, at the end of the day, I, I want people to remember me as a great teammate. I wanted to be a great teammate. That, that was my whole goal. Um, you know, um, no matter what level I was playing at, I wanted to be a great teammate and mm-hmm. take care of my, my guys, uh, you know, and uh, it's just really gratifying. To, uh, to to hear that comment from Jake C, um, you know, it, it, it feels good, man. Thanks, thanks for that. Oh, my pleasure. Um, that's the fun part. Like I said, you get you get some good stories when you reach out to some of the old teammates. Uh, so now you've been you, you played in a bunch of exhibition games at this point in your career, uh, but now you're finally getting the call. You get called up to LA to to play uh, regular season games. Uh, how did you learn that you were being called up to LA? Uh, well, the night before, uh, we were playing against, uh, uh, who was playing, uh, Milwaukee, I think. And there was like, I was playing forward and, uh, that week, uh, I mean, I, I'd score, I, I had like 10 points in three games or something like crazy. I, I had, I had like a four or five point game, uh, a couple games before anyway, uh, I, I had no idea what was going on. Uh, I was on fire. Anyway, 
at the end of the game against Milwaukee, I, I went, uh, the goalie, the, their goalie covered the puck and it was, it was still loose. And I went, I went to go for it and I tripped over the goalie stick and I fell into the end boards with my, uh, my feet were in the air and my shoulder and head hit the corner of the boards right by the ice and where the boards and the ice meet. And I, I was like an accordion, man. I, I, I crushed my back and twisted my neck and hurt my shoulder. And I was like, holy Christ, you know, like, anyway, I got up and it felt like my shoulder was dislocated. It was out. Uh, anyway, I, I went to the hospital after the game and the doctor at the hospital, uh, our, our team doctor was there and took x-rays and he said, oh, it's just a bruise. You're fine. So I'm like, okay, whatever. So I went and iced it and, and whatever. Uh, so I think we had a day off the next day. And, uh, I woke up, got, I was, it was around 10 in the morning and, uh, I couldn't even move my shoulder. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't get my shirt on. I couldn't get it off. Uh, I couldn't lift my arm. And, uh, I called my mom and, uh, she asked me how the game went. And I said, well, I, I hurt myself. And I said, I can't move my arm, man. It's like killing me, you know? And, uh, my other line rang and I said, mom, you gotta hang on a minute. I got to check my other line here. So I clicked over and it was Rogi Vashan, the GM from LA. Yeah. And I, I said, hello. And he's like, Hey Rick, you know, uh, heard you got hurt last night. Are you okay? And I said, Oh, hell yeah, man. I said, I'm, <laughs> great. I said, I'm perfect. <laughs> I said, bruise. I'm good brother. Yeah. Uh, he's like, well, he said, uh, pack your shit. Uh, you're coming up for, uh, for a month. He said, uh, Marty, uh, cracked a rib or something. And he said, you're coming up for a month. Uh, uh, get ready to come up. He said, you're, you're on a flight from Phoenix to LA in 45 minutes. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> he said, we're, we're playing the Rangers tomorrow night. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make that flight. <laughs> anyway, I clicked back over. Yeah. You can imagine Joe. Yeah. I've been waiting. I've been waiting five years, six years for this, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I clicked back over and I'm like, mom, it was like a movie, bud. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mom, I'm going to the show. You know, that was, that was, that was a GM from LA. I'm going to the show. And she started screaming and my dad was in the background yelling. And, uh, it was, it was a great, great moment, you know, uh, That's... really cool. Uh, so you played four games while you were up there. Your first two games, uh, that you got into were against Edmonton. Uh, Jerry, think about going up and poking Dave Brown in the chest or at all, or, but I'll tell you what I, so, I got to LA the next that I got to LA an hour later, right? The two hours later I was in LA the next morning we had pregame skate against the Rangers Mm -hmm. and I couldn't, I couldn't get dressed. Like I couldn't get my shirt, my shirt on Mm -hmm. anyway. I, uh, I, I got on the ice and practiced, and I was trying to, trying to shoot. And I, I went up to Jay Miller and I said, I said, Jay, man, I said, my shoulders fucked up. I I can't play. I, 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 I don't think I can play. He's like, bud, you got to tell him, you know, like, mm-hmm. you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, like Domi, it was in, it was in, was in New York at the time. Yeah. And, uh, he's like, you don't want to get in a scrap with a fucked up shoulder, you know, like anyway. So I, I get off the ice, I tell him and I go straight to the doctor. I end up, I end up having a third degree separation, in my oh, shoulder. Sh- wow. That's some bruise. So, oh yeah. <laughs> so I spent, I spent a month in LA 
rehabbing my shoulder and not okay. even playing. So, so now the way it works when, when you're cleared to play, you can be sent back down. Right. Mm-hmm. But once you step on the ice, when you're there you, and you're hurt, you, you got to stay there until you're cleared to play. Right. Anyway, I'm cleared to play. My shoulder's nowhere near ready. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, my first two games were against Edmonton, a home and away. Mm-hmm. And dude, I, I wanted to fight Brownie. Mm-hmm. I wanted to fight Kelly Buckberger. Yeah. But I, I, it's like, I wasn't, I wasn't afraid yeah. to fight him. I, I, I wanted to fight him, but I, I knew I just, and, and Brownie's big lefty. Right. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm worried I was going to lose, lose control. You know, I couldn't hold anything with my, with my shoulder the way it was. Yeah. Uh, so I, unfortunately I, I didn't get to fight either one of those. I, I fought Kelly, uh, you know, three or four times before that, mm-hmm. uh, years before, uh, and, uh, um, you know, it just, it just, I just couldn't fight. Like, uh, I, I wouldn't have done well. I, I didn't want to get beat up on national TV, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, um, because of an injury mm-hmm. that, that no one was, uh, you know, uh, that no one knew about. Right. Right. What, what anyway, you, oh yeah, go ahead. It it just wasn't good timing. When you get up to LA, you know you're you're called up. You get up there, so there are some familiar faces in that locker room. Uh, did Wayne Gretzky remember you? Oh, buddy, Wayne was absolutely terrific to me. Uh, so uh, on LA had their own jet at that time, right? front of the plane was all the brass, you know, the coaches and GMs and, and everybody was up front, the me- the media. And then there was a kitchen in the middle and then the, and then the player section, everybody had a, had a, uh, first class seat. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then in the back of the plane, there was a, there was a training room where, you know, we would do uh train, we would do uh you know, physical therapy or whatever on the way back from the game or way to a game. If we had a next game the next night. Mm-hmm. The trainers would work on guys in the back of the plane. Anyway, at the front of the players section, it was a card table. And uh, the card players were uh, uh, Gretz and Todd Ellick, uh, Jay Miller, Marty, Thomas Sandstrom. And uh, so I was sitting, and, and Gretz was sitting in the aisle seat, um, and I was sitting right across from in the aisle seat, mm-hmm. right across watching them play cards. And they were playing this card game. Uh, I think called five card Lou or something. They had a hundred dollar Annie, you know, and the pots were getting up to, to a couple grand or whatever, you know, cause it was like a burn pot game where you, you, if you go in and lose, you pay the, what the pot, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, I had 40 bucks. I just got called up. I had $40 in my pocket. So, <laughs> And, and Wayne looks over at me and he's like, uh, Rick, uh, he said, you play cards. And I said, yeah, I, I, I lo- like, like to play cards. Love it. You know? And he's like, well, jump in here. And I said, no, man, I'm good. Uh, you know, dude, I couldn't afford the Annie. Yeah. <laughs> right? He's like, okay, boys, we're going to play $10 Annie. All the other guys look at him like, are you fucking kidding me? Right. <laughs> and here I am sitting here all jazzed up. Now I get to play cause I got 10 bucks in my pocket. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I, I throw my money in, but long story short, I, I, I end up winning 1600 bucks. Wow. Nice. Oh yeah. And, but the problem with it was, uh, I won it from Jay Miller and that's, <laughs> some, that's something that still owes me 1600 bucks. Oh, you never got it. Oh, that's some bitch. He, I think he's got a bar in Boston. 
I'm, I'm going to go to Boston one day, go to his bar, and I'm going to have drinks on the house for everybody. I'm going to party all night, and then I'm going to tell him, <laughs> That's Jay, tremendous. you owe me. That's interest right there from, from the 1600 you still owe me, brother. Let me know when you go up there. I'll make the drive up and uh, right, enjoy it. Right, Absolutely. <laughs> So, and was it, was it interesting seeing Luke Robitaille again? Because obviously you guys played together and I imagine he did, he looked like he hadn't aged a day. Uh, he still doesn't look like he right. aged a day. Right. Um, yeah, Luke, uh, uh, Luke was surprised when he saw me at camp that year. Cause I, he, when he left, when we separated from junior, I was 170 pounds mm-hmm. and, uh, I was probably two two fifteen when I went to training camp in LA. And he's like, holy shit, Hazy, you've, you've doubled, you know? Uh, but, um, yeah, Luke, uh, Luke treated me really good when I was up there. Um, had me over to the house. Uh, his, he had just met his wife at the time, Stacy, who was still his wife. And, uh, she's a wonderful person. Uh, but, uh, they, they both, you know, treated me well. Uh, I stayed over his house, uh, a couple of days and, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, Luke's always been uh, a great guy. So, being an Islander fan, I have to ask, uh, John Tonelli was part of that team. Uh, did you get to hang out with John at all or, or talk to him at all? Buddy, one of the highlights of my life. Uh, you know, my dad was a huge Islander fan during, I mean, everybody was during their run, you know, their four years. But uh, he especially liked John Tonelli. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we went on a road trip. And, uh, I was roommates with John Tonelli. Oh shit. Nice. So, you know, awkward as fuck, right? <laughs> like I'm, I'm like, John, if I call my dad, do you mind getting on the phone and saying, hi to him? you know what I mean? <laughs> I was like this idiot fan, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. like I'm like, bud, like, can you please say hi to my dad? <laughs> anyway, I, I, I called my dad there and, uh, he got on the phone graciously and, uh, you know, had a little conversation with them and, uh, it was really cool. Take me through, take me through, um, that first game in LA against Edmonton. Uh, take me through the day. At what point do you know you're playing? Is it the morning skate? Do you find out you're in the lineup that night? Are you able to take a pregame nap? And what's it like going out there for the warm up in LA and you're, you're skating around and maybe you see some celebrities out there. What, what was that whole experience like? Um, it, it, you know what? It was, uh, uh, again, I have, you know, looking back, I, I had sticker shock, you know what I mean? I, yeah. I had, uh, I, I was, I was in, I was in awe of everybody I seen, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not real dude. Yeah. Like you're skating around, your feet aren't even touching the ice. You know, mm-hmm. your gloves don't fit, your skates don't fit your, your knee pads feel like they're falling off. Right. <laughs> it's it. Like I, I, I remember taking a shot. We, 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 you know, we were doing the, uh, the half circle shooting on, uh, Kelly Rudy there. Mm-hmm. I shot the puck and stick almost fell out of my hands, you know, <laughs> like it's, it was, it's crazy at that point. And it, it haunts me to this day. You know, I, I was a watcher. I wasn't a doer, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think a lot of guys have that, uh, you know, deer in the headlights, uh, feeling, um, when they, when they first go up, you know, uh, it's overwhelming. We, we mentioned the first two games were against Edmonton. Your third game was against Vancouver at Vancouver. And they had a guy who didn't mind getting into skirmishes and he tried to make things happen. Um, anything even close to happening with Gino Ojic at all, or, or are you yeah, still a little I, sore? I, I actually ran Gino in the corner 
and and uh, I knocked him down, uh, and uh, I stood there and waited for him to get up, and he got up and skated away, <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, I I I guess uh, that's not happening now, you know. Um, anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a funny story, uh, uh, Garth Butcher. Um, I to answer your question, I didn't get into it with Gino. I I I. I wanted to, yeah. I, I, I was feeling better by then. I, I started to get more confident in my shoulder mm-hmm. and, uh, I w I was ready to go. And, uh, but actually Gino, uh, a couple shifts later, cause it was fourth line against fourth line. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gino actually scored against us and, uh, uh, it was minus one, you know, so I was really pissed at him then. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, during that game, uh, Todd Ellick was uh, our centerman for one shift for some reason. Uh, it, w- it was Jay Miller, myself, and John McIntyre were the fourth line. Okay. And uh, somehow Toddy Ellick got on the uh, on, on center with us. Me and Todd were like best buddies. Like we, we were hanging out quite a bit. And, uh, you know, uh, we became good friends quickly. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, we, we got in a scrum in front of, uh, in front of Vancouver's net. And, uh, Garth Butcher was in the scrum. Anyway, he he reaches over and grabs Toddy Ellick by the by the scruff of the neck, and he's got him by the jersey. And he says, "Hey, kid." He, he said, "You know who I am?" He said, uh, "You want to go me?" And I was behind Todd, and I reached over Todd's shoulder and grabbed Butcher by the neck, and I said, "I know who you are." I said, "I'll <laughs> I'll fucking go you," you know. Yeah. And um, Butcher looks up at me and he says. Oh, he said, you must have seen me on TV, young kid. <laughs> <laughs> and Joe, the, the whole scrum started laughing. The, the, the linesmen were laughing. The refs were laughing. Oh, my God. One of the funniest one of the funniest one-liners I've ever heard. I've heard he has a few of them, so I heard he's a oh. pretty good chirper. So. Oh, he's a funny man. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we get to your fourth game uh, at L.A. You play in the Flyers and uh, – Finally found a dance partner. What do you remember about uh, fighting the chief, Craig Berube? Yeah, that was a quick one. Uh, it wasn't a great fight, uh, but, um, yeah, it was in our zone, and uh, the puck came up the wall, and it took a funny bounce and went back to our goalie, and uh, Rudy, uh, Kelly Rudy, uh, covered it up. Chief was in front of me going toward the, the scrum, and I thought he was going to, like, poke the puck, and he kind of went in. He didn't really poke the puck too much, but... I kind of pushed him from behind and he turned around and didn't like that. And, uh, yeah, we had a little scrap there. It wasn't a great one. Um, but, uh, um, I ended up falling on top of him. So in LA, you know, that, that was considered a win. Exactly. Uh, But, uh, I ended up with a little bitty cut, um, over my, uh, my left eye, I guess it was, Mm -hmm. it was like a quarter inch long. Anyway, I go to the penalty box and, uh, in LA, in the penalty box, there's a there's about six inches uh, that's not the, the the wall of the penalty box doesn't go down to the floor. Mm. So now I'm sitting in the penalty box and I'm I'm looking down at the at the floor and I'm I didn't even know I was cut. I'm just kind of you know regaining my composure a little bit and thinking about things. And I look over and I see this beautiful shoe and a and a beautiful ankle. Uh, a woman's ankle under this, under the boards, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I look up and it's, uh, 
it's the gal from uh, uh, Million Dollar Legs there. Uh, what's her name? Uh, oh, uh, Mary Hart. Mary Hart. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's Mary Hart. She's sitting <laughs> right next to a penalty box, man. And I'm looking at her beautiful ankle, right? <laughs> and I look up and, and she's looking at me and she points at her eye and she's like, oh, dude, you're cut, you know? <laughs> So I, I feel it and I see the blood and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, cool. You know, like <laughs> anyway, I'm staring at her like, oh my God, you, you're, you're, you're a beautiful woman, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that was, that was funny. So I, I went in the locker room, uh, the next stoppage of play, I, I had to go in the locker room. The, the ref brought me to the locker room and I had to get stitched a stitch or two. And the, the doctor in LA is like, uh, okay, Rick, we're going to freeze your, your eye up here. And I said, I said, forget the freezing. Yeah. I said, forget the freeze. And I said, just stitch it up. And he's like, what? I said, just stitch it up, dude. I said, I don't want to miss a second of this game. Right. <laughs> I said, stitch that thing up and let me out. Let me out of here. Oh, but that, that became a, a little bit of a story in, uh, in the locker room after the game too. <laughs> so obviously you said that, uh, one of the reasons why you got called up was because Marty was hurt and eventually he's going to come back. So, uh, when, when you get sent back down to Phoenix, uh, do you have a talk with anyone? Does the, the brass speak to you, so, kind of say, you know, good job or whatever? Or is it sort of like a business where they just say, all right, Hazy, you're going back down? Well, um, I was super disappointed because we were going into uh, uh, we were going into Toronto and Detroit. Oh, and, that would have been good for you. And I was finally feeling, like, confident enough to, to, to get back at it, right? Mm-hmm. And my whole family was planning on going to Detroit. And, uh, so it was a really, uh, disappointing, uh, time, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I didn't do my job when I was there. I, I regret that, but I wasn't able to do it, you know? Right. And I, I don't care. Uh, I, I mean, you just can't fight through a separated shoulder. It sure. just, it just doesn't work. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I wish I would have, uh, I, I, I regret it every day that I didn't. Uh, but I, at the time, uh, it was just, it was impossible for me, you know, or, or in my mind anyway, like, mm-hmm. uh, anyway, um, when I got sent down, they, they had a meeting with me, uh, you know, uh, late at night, they called me, uh, nine o'clock at night or whatever. They called me up to the coach's room and they said, uh, you know, unfortunately you were hurt when you got here and we never saw, you know, what you can do, um, you know, go down and, and, and work hard and keep working hard and, and you're going to get another chance, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's, that's, that's the meeting I had with them. They, they, they were positive and said, uh, you know, we know w- w- what you're capable of. We didn't see it here, but mm-hmm. we know, and, uh, and we're, we're going to bring you back, you know? Um, I don't have a lot of video from when you were in Phoenix. One of the, the fight, well, two of the fights I have, uh, you had a really good fight with Cam Brown. You fought uh, Sean Clouston later on. I don't know if you remember those fight, but also those fights. But also in that game, uh, I noticed you had the C on. Now, were you the captain for that whole season, or was that just something that you wore for that game? No, I was captain about uh, three quarters of that season, I guess, or, or half of the season. Uh, I, I don't know exactly when when it happened, but so uh, this is really weird. Like uh, when when I got to LA. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I told you, Ralph Backstrom was our coach and Gary Unger was our assistant. Mm -hmm. And at, at one point, and they were super laid back, right. They, um, like at one point we were walking into the, I was walking into the, to the practice rink with 
with Ralph, the coach. And he said to me, Hazy, what do you think we need to work on? And I looked at him and I said, well, um, maybe breaking out of our zone, uh, you know, consistently we're, we're awful at it. And I'm thinking in my head, like, you don't have a plan for practice, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, several other guys had got called up during that season already. And when I got there, I had trouble staying. I had trouble keeping up in a pregame skate. Like that's how hard LA was working in a pregame skate. I, I, because I was out of shape, right? The, the, the coaches called me up to the front of the bus on the way to the airport uh, one time, uh, not long after I was there. And I don't know if they noticed that. I was out of shape. I wasn't in very good shape or what. But they're like, what's going on down there in Phoenix? And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, point blank asked me if the coach was doing his job, you know? Mm-hmm. And now, Joe, I, I, I'm in this position now where I, if I tell him, yeah, he's awesome, you know? Yeah. And they, they know he's not, they're yeah. going to think I'm full of shit. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like they put me in a really bad position, but, yeah. and, and I don't want to tell them that, you know, we're fucking out of shape. We don't work hard. You know, we got a great team and we're underachieving. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like those are all the things I wanted to say, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were, they were the truth. Yeah. Um, but I was in, I was in a horrible position there and I, so I said, well, you know, I, I forget what I said exactly, but it, it wasn't positive. You know what I mean? It was like, because bottom line was I, I was not in shape, right. uh, like I should have been. Um, and our whole team was the same anyway. I don't know if that got back to Ralph or what, mm-hmm. but when I got back from LA, uh, Ralph was not my friend, um, <laughs> He, he was, uh, bitter with me and, uh, I took a bad penalty in a game and, uh, like when you're a tough guy, man, you're, you're, you're walking that fine line all the time of, of, uh, you know, you do something stupid, you cost your team a, a, a bad penalty and, uh, you know, and, and it costs the game. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, it just happened. It, it, it's, it happened when I got back from LA a couple games in and, um, Ralph came in the dressing room and he started tearing a strip off me. Uh, I said, okay. I said, I, 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 I apologize. I said, you know, my bad. Right. And, uh, he continued to, uh, he continued to tear a strip off me and I'm like, Ralph, man, I, I get it. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then, and then it got to the point that I, I got pissed. I'm like, dude, I, I hear you, you know, like enough. And, and, and then he took the uh, captaincy away from me after that argument we had in the locker room. And, uh, but I think it all stemmed from that stupid conversation that I was, I uh, was forced into in LA, you know? Yeah. Uh, you're, that's a no win situation. It's, it was a no win situation. I, mm-hmm. I didn't know, I didn't know, you know, what to say. And, you know, it's just shit that happens, man. Yeah. You know? Um, I don't know this next uh, question I'm going to ask you. I don't know if this is before or after this uh, meeting with Ralph. Uh, one of the, the thing that Mark Somier told me to ask you about, he said, uh, and, and you'll have to explain this, ask him when he shoe-checked the coach, Ralph Backstrom, at the team meeting. Ralph was so mad. Oh, Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> so I, I, I forget what town we were in, but we went to this uh, steakhouse for, uh, for a team meal. And Ralph wore cowboy boots, 
all the time. So anyway, I was a bit of a prankster or whatever. So anyway, I crawl under the table and I had to crawl about 20 feet under this table and everybody was backing up and letting me through. And I put a, I put a blob of ketchup on Ralph's cowboy boot. <laughs> anyway, I go back to my seat and I get up and we start dinging on the glasses there. That means somebody got shoe checked, right? When you, when the whole team starts dinging on their glasses with a, with a, with a spoon. Okay. And, uh, so anyway, we're dinging on the glasses and Ralph looks down and he's like, ah, you fuckers. Uh, who, who did that? You know, like anyway, big, big laugh. We got a big laugh, you know, about 20 minutes later, I crawl into the table again. I get down to Ralph there. I put a, I put a load of cat, a load of mustard on the other boot. <laughs> I crawl back to my seat, get up. And we start dinging on the glasses there. He backs up and looks at his boots and he's like, you son of a bitch, you know, <laughs> who did that? You cocksuckers. So anyway, we, uh, big laugh, you know, mm-hmm. anyway, Ralph says, I'll fix you fuckers. He takes his boots off. So now he's sitting there in his stock and feet <laughs> in the restaurant, in the restaurant, <laughs> sitting there in his stock and feet boots on the side. I get under the table. I crawl back down there. I put ketchup and mustard on, on both socks. <laughs> I put it on his sock feet. I crawled back to my, and I'll tell you what, man, guys were pissing their pants. He was so pissed. He's like, who in the hell is doing it? He was so sour, man. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh. I got him three times at the same meal. And oh. I got him with the socks on. Well, Mark, if you're listening to this, thank you for that story. That was fantastic. Oh, it's funny, yeah. So there you have part one of my chat with Rick Hayward. Rick was awesome. I can't wait for you people to hear part two. Uh, It gets real serious uh, at the end of part two, and I I really can't wait for you guys to hear that. Uh, Definitely maybe one of the most important segments I've done uh, since I started this show. So uh, I hope you people enjoyed part one. Join me next Monday for part two, and everybody, stay safe.